Football is a microcosm of America. All races, religions, living, playing, competing, side by side. I pray we dedicate ourselves to be the best team we can be. Let's choose to be for one another to fulfill the promise of one nation, to be part of the solution, be part of the change. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell testified this past week as part of a congressional investigation into the Washington Commander's workplace practices. The Commanders have been criticized by more than a dozen former employees who said it was a toxic environment that included sexual harassment of female workers. For more on this, I spoke yesterday with sports journalist and ESPN contributor Howard Bryant. Howard, it's great to have you with us. And these allegations, as you know, against the Washington football team, they date back 20 years, and at the House oversight hearing this past week, Roger Goodell said that the team's negative culture no longer exists, but he said that the environment under owner Daniel Snyder was unprofessional and unacceptable. So why then does Goodell and the rest of the team owners continue to stand by Dan Snyder? Number one, Roger Goodell simply cannot say that a certain workplace culture doesn't exist anymore. That's his opinion, whether it works or not. If you talk to the people who work at that place, they're still talking and they're still talking off the record to many people in the media. The biggest reason why they abide by it is because they're part of a private club. Once you're an insider, you don't criticize other insiders. It's part of that club. And because they all know that if you turn on them one day, they may turn on you. That's exactly what this sort of this ownership group is. It's a private club. They decide who's in it, and they keep it as private as possible. The short answer really is that the owners do not want to break ranks, even if it includes enabling someone like Daniel Snyder. So what does that all then mean for Goodell's credibility? Because the other thing that struck me was that in that hearing, he confirmed many of the claims about the, the commander's culture found in that investigation by attorney Beth Wilkinson, but he still refused to release the full report. He only released a summary of it. Well, I think, Jeff, the biggest mistake that we make, and we do it in all sports, it's not simply the NFL, but especially in the NFL because it's the biggest sport out there financially, is that the commissioner is some sort of moral arbiter, that the commissioner is a moral guide for the sport. And he's not. He is the mouthpiece for the owners. He works for the owners. They, pretty, they pay his salary. And so in terms of credibility, his job is to protect them. He gets that 44 to $50 million a year for that to appear for that very type of testimony, to protect this team, to protect every team, whether it's Washington or whether it's the Patriots or the Cowboys or any of the other ones. Yeah. I also want to ask you about uh, what happened this past week. You had Browns QB Deshaun Watson settling 20 of the 24 lawsuits against him over allegations that he sexually harassed and even assaulted uh, massage therapists in the Houston area. Four of Watson's accusers didn't settle, so that could be bad news for him, not only in court, uh, civil court, criminal court potentially, but also in the court of the NFL. What kind of punishment is he looking at? Well, the way that it's been described so far is that he's probably looking at a year suspension. Clearly, the Browns are expecting a year suspension, and the reason why I say that with such certainty is when you look at Deshaun Watson's contract, when he was brought into Cleveland, 
the, that contract was structured to essentially mitigate a suspension. And instead of deciding whether this is the sort of character that you want in your franchise, that you want this person to represent you, you've decided to protect his money by structuring a contract that essentially protects him and his salary from a potential suspension. And Howard, as you well know, I mean, in the years after the Ray Rice scandal, the NFL said it was going to redouble its efforts to look at its culture across the board. I think these two instances, incidents, uh, what's happening with the commanders and what, ha what happened with uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, it's clear that the league has much more work to do. One of the things with the NFL is the question as to whether or not you can have a financial juggernaut and a moral decline happening simultaneously. Hmm. And people enable the NFL simply because it's a $15 billion machine. It's supposed the revenues are going to balloon out to $25 billion over the next decade. And it's essentially a too big to fail operation. But that doesn't mean that it's an honorable operation. Howard Bryant, appreciate you and appreciate your insights as always. Thanks for being with us. July 1st is this Friday, which means we're a little over halfway through 2022. Last year was dubbed the Great Resignation, as millions across the country quit their jobs. WMFE's Talia Blake caught up with Orlando Economic Partnership CEO Tim Giuliani to discuss the state of the job market now in Central Florida and what you can do if you're looking for a career change. In reference to where, where we were, we were at a workforce around 1.3, almost 1.4 million people. We are just about back to where we were before the pandemic. We're 0.1% short, uh, but the unemployment rate has dropped, which means you know more people that want jobs have jobs. What is the current employment rate here in Central Florida? Currently, we're at 2.6%, which is below what a lot of economists have always understood to be full employment. It's actually half a percent lower than we were before the pandemic. So we've seen the inflation numbers we've seen and are experiencing the dramatic increases for the cost of housing here in, in Central Florida. How do you continue to attract workers with all that going on? Growth comes with challenges and we simply need to do two things. We need to make it easier and less expensive to build houses in Central Florida or, or units, I should say, because we need all types, not just single family, we obviously need a lot of multifamily housing. And so we need to make that easier. Number two is in the fall in Orange County, we'll have the opportunity uh, to vote for a one cent sales tax on transportation. So when you talk about affordability, that's a great opportunity to give people way more affordable options on how to get around, how to get to work or how to get to school. Right. So that way more people can venture further for work if they need to and sustain and maintain their life. Yeah. One thing we were shocked to learn. So if, if you rely on transit in central Florida, you have access in a 30 minute commute to 5,000 jobs. If that same person in a 30 minute commute has access to a car, they have access to 500,000 jobs. Do you think that Thinking about how your skills could transfer to another industry is how people are going to start looking at their next potential job. I think not only are, are people going to be looking uh, at how to transfer skills, but companies are looking at skills-based hiring. This is a trend that we're seeing um, in human resource departments. With everyone struggling to find workers, 
looking at their actual skills instead of maybe just years of experience or degree is actually a much better indicator if they're able to do the job or not. And we've we worked, for instance, on on skills based hiring training with Orange County Public Schools. They were having trouble competing against private sector companies for their IT jobs. Hmm. So they identified through skills based hiring that people that were maybe at lower levels within their IT department actually had the skills. They didn't necessarily have the degrees, but they had been in the field building their skills through trainings and experience, and they were qualified on a skills analysis to fill those jobs. Lastly, where would you point people if they were looking for resources on trying to see where these jobs are here in Orlando or maybe they want to go apply for something? Within our community, we have Career Source Central Florida, and it's a it's a great resource for people to understand and to talk to somebody about, to, to your earlier question about skills, you know, how do I craft my resume to feature the true value that I could bring to a company? And so CareerSource does a nice job of helping people with their resumes. That was OEP's Tim Giuliani. Fear of a recession is leading to layoffs, and a few companies have already announced job cuts. J.P. Morgan Chase is one of them. Netflix also just did a second round of layoffs. And Tesla is slashing its salaried workforce by 10%. NPR's David Gura is here to talk about what's going on. Uh, David, we named a, a few companies, uh, but how widespread are these cuts? And, and actually, what's causing them? Yeah, so far, layoffs have been confined to parts of the economy that experienced high growth in recent years. Just think about the companies you mentioned. They're in entertainment, in technology, in finance. You know, they thrived for years when interest rates were low and borrowing was cheap. But in the last six months, things have changed dramatically as the Federal Reserve has started hiking rates aggressively to fight high inflation. Other companies that have had layoffs recently did really well during the pandemic. You know, when gyms were closed, people got Pelotons. There were millions of people stuck at home who started trading stocks with Robinhood. But here we are. Gyms are back open. Robinhood just cut 9% of its staff. So the bottom line, A, is a growing number of companies recognize the winds are shifting and that they may need to pare down. You know, I'd have sworn we were just talking about how hot the job market is. You know, people quitting their jobs, record rates, and everyone's talking about the great resignation. So what happened? Yeah, absolutely. There was this pent-up demand to do stuff as we came out of the darkest days of the pandemic. People were spending, many of them had stimulus money from the government, and employers just couldn't find enough workers. Then all of a sudden, workers were demanding higher pay. The outlook for the U.S. economy has changed rapidly. Prices are rising at their fastest annual pace in more than four decades, and the Fed is trying to force companies to spend less. Higher interest rates are slowing down the housing market, which has led to layoffs in real estate. Those cuts at J.P. Morgan were talking about hundreds of jobs in the bank's mortgage business. Andy Challenger is with the firm Challenger Gray and Crispus. It tracks layoffs nationwide, and he says there's going to be less hiring. Even if the Fed achieves the perfect soft landing, it's still going to mean an increase in layoffs. And Challenger adds, if the Fed does tip the economy into a recession, it's likely we'll see broader layoffs and even deeper cuts. All right. So that's that's terrible news for people who've lost their jobs. Um, how worried should we be then uh, about the rest of the jobs market? Well, Fed Chair Jerome Powell told lawmakers recently the Fed's goal here is not to kickstart a recession, but it does want to remove some froth from the economy. There's a more job openings uh, than there are by a factor of two to one than there are unemployed people looking for work. Again, if you look at where job cuts have been so far, they've been in these frothier, more speculative parts of the economy. Crypto 
is a great example. The cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase just laid off more than a thousand workers. And what's tricky is the Fed has these really blunt tools to try to fight inflation, and it takes time to see if they're working. On top of that, there's a lot happening right now that the Fed just can't do much about. It's not going to find a solution to the war in Ukraine, for instance, or it won't be able to unclog global supply chains. So what are the risks of this? I mean, what should we be watching out for? Well, a big risk is that this could be kind of self-fulfilling. Companies so worried about a potential economic downturn cut jobs early, thereby accelerating an economic downturn. There's a risk that they could cut too much. If job losses get broader, as Andy Challenger said, of course, more people would be out of work without any money to spend. The U.S. economy runs on consumer spending, and something we'll watch for, A, is if these cuts start hitting the rest of the economy, where most people work. NPR's David Gura, thanks a lot. Thank you. If L.A.'s street food scene had a logo, it would be a food truck. Because in this city designed for cars, what could be more fitting than a restaurant on wheels? L.A. has more food trucks than anywhere else in the U.S. There are thousands of them serving up cutting-edge cuisine and bringing life to public spaces. But with gas prices in L.A. at more than $6 a gallon, the food trucks are struggling. That has some people, such as Susanna Davidoff of West Hollywood, worried. It's part of our culture. It's part of our weekend tradition. And if you start seeing these taco trucks kind of disappearing from the streets of L.A., it's not going to feel like L.A. It would be horrible. Susanna and her mom were waiting for their food from a truck called Tacos y Birria La Unica. It's a family business run by 33-year-old Yahmani Mendoza, along with his mom, dad, brother, and two sisters. We do tacos, Mexican food, tortas, quesadillas, burritos. And he's clearly proud of what they built. Family-owned and operated businesses are different from, like, any other business because it's love. We want everything to come out perfect. Inside the truck, family members chop onions and beef. It used to be a FedEx delivery vehicle. Now there's a kitchen where packages were stored. And from the fryers to the fridges, the truck requires a lot of fuel to operate. We use gas to move our food truck for transportation, and we use gas for our generator. It turns on our our fridges and everything. Mendoza used to be able to fill the tank with $125. Right now it costs $200. And with the gas prices going up, it makes everything go up. Like, for example, the vegetables, the meat. Have you had to make choices and sacrifices somewhere else to make sure that you can afford the gasoline? Well, yeah, we have to, like, um, save. We don't waste as much food or supplies as we used to because everything's expensive. I talk to somebody every day that's making a decision on whether to vend or not based on how far it is. Matthew Geller is a CEO of the National Food Truck Association. I mean, it used to be you take a lunch in the South Bay and then drive to a dinner in the Valley, and they just don't do that anymore. They're being very, very careful about how they waste that gas because every dollar that goes into your tank doesn't go in your pocket. Now, you think it'd be simple. Expenses are up, raise the price of the food. But for a street food vendor, it's complicated. If you don't raise up your prices, well, you're not going to make money. But at the same time, you can't raise it too high because some customers are going to complain. So the business owners make less money because everything's higher. Yeah. When you have to come up to a point where, yeah, you got to charge a quarter more or say 50 cents more, Is it something that you agonize about? Well, sometimes we don't want to because, you know, customers, you know, they feel it in their pockets too. But sometimes there's no option. We always like to sell our food, you know, at a, how do you say, a reasonable price where the people like the food and customers come back. 
And so far as customers have kept coming back, and it's kept Mendoza and his family's food truck in business for five years now. We started with a food truck, and um, now we have two, but hopefully in the near future we could have a brick and mortar, a restaurant or something. That's what many of these trucks represent for families like the Mendozas, a chance to dream of something more, an entry point to establish a name, build a business from the ground up, and create a base of wealth that can be passed down to another generation of Mendozas. For now, the family is still able to roll out their taco trucks six days a week, but they're praying that Tacos y Birria La Unica won't become a casualty of inflation. If this continues, and if gas prices continue to stay like they are here in California, $6 a gallon. What are you thinking about if things don't improve? We don't know what might happen, you know, but if everything keeps going up, gas, the whole products we use for our food truck, well, it's going to affect us a lot. Are you concerned at all? Yeah, we are concerned a lot because we've seen other businesses that are closing their doors, restaurants, food trucks, and we don't want that to happen to us. Now, we call the county of Los Angeles to find out how many food trucks have actually gone out of business since the start of the pandemic. And what we learned is that since the fall of 2019, the number of permitted food trucks has actually increased by over 400. I asked Matthew Geller, CEO of the National Food Truck Association, what gives. It is an alternative to opening up restaurants, which a lot of vendors don't believe is viable right now. He also said the number of active permits doesn't always reflect the number of actual working trucks. Bottom line, Geller says, between inflation and high gas prices, it is tough out there. I know quite a few trucks that have thrown up their hands that finally just said, that's enough. This isn't worth it anymore. Back in the taco truck, as I was packing my stuff to leave, Yasmani made me an offer that was hard to refuse. Right now, I'm going to give you some tacos so you could eat. <laughs> yeah, before you guys leave, these are our famous tacos. But I did refuse the tacos. This, after all, wasn't an interview about how good the tacos are. The next day, however, I went to their other taco truck location, and they were so good that I didn't mind burning a few gallons of that high-priced California gas to get there. Jason Ambrosi has been a Delta pilot for 22 years, and he loves his job, but... We've helped our airline recover by flying record amounts of overtime. Our pilots spend more time away from our families, and we do that to get our customers safely to their destination. It's time for the company to recognize those contributions. Ambrosi, who is also head of the Pilots Union at Delta, will be among hundreds of pilots picketing at Hartsfield-Jackson tomorrow. Similar scenes are planned at Delta hubs all throughout the U.S. They say Delta is relying too much on overtime, leaving pilots overworked and paid under a contract that was inked in 2016. When Captain Ambrosi and I spoke earlier, he told me it is about pay, but not only about pay. Passenger demand has come back at levels that were not foreseen. And the airline is bringing back flying and scheduling more flying than we can handle responsibly right now. You know, in every summer in the past, there'd be overtime for pilots to pick up to help because the summer busy travel season. What's different this summer, Jim, is that we've been flying these record amounts of overtime for at least a year. So pilots have been doing this, you know, month in and month in and out to do this for the company and for our passengers. And they're getting fatigued. Just to give you some context, by the end of the summer, we'll have flown more overtime periods than all of 2018 and 2019 combined. 
they've basically had enough. And is this because there are fewer pilots now because of, uh, you know, a slim down during the pandemic? Yeah. So, you know, management displaced pilots more rapidly than they should have. So what's happened is uh, we had a very good early out program for pilots that decided to retire early. All those things have, have resulted in not having as many pilots as we had before, but we still have the airplanes and the demand is out there. So obviously trying to capture all that revenue and get our passengers to where they want to go, the, the airline is scheduling more flying than we can do. In advance of this busy travel weekend, we've seen days of widespread cancellations going all the way back to Memorial Day weekend. More expected, of course, over July 4th. And and pilots blame the airline a lot for these cancellations. How specifically? They're they're making that hard safety call to say, look, I can't do it anymore. I'm I'm tired. I need to take a break. And it unfortunately results in you know less operational reliability than the Delta passengers. Uh, our customers have, have come to expect. So it's, uh, it, it, it is an issue, as I said. What would you say to the traveling public who tomorrow might show up at the airport and see you all outside picketing? What would you like them to know? Well, first, we're not on strike. We are there on our off days to demonstrate to the company the importance of coming to the table and, and fixing not only our schedules, but giving us the contract that recognizes our, our spot in the industry. We want the pastors to share our frustration. I will say, you may be aware, we, we did pickets earlier this year that were centered just about the schedules and the poor quality of our schedules in the post-pandemic realm. And the feedback we've gotten from passengers is, has been very positive. They share that frustration and they're very appreciative of what, what the Delta pilots have done my last question deals with kind of the long-term effects. What do you think this does to the image of the airline long-term among passengers? We are concerned about the long-term damage to our brand. The Delta pilots are stakeholders. We we can't uproot and go to one other airline and, and get a, a, an equivalent position at another airline because, you know, seniority, we're tied to Delta Airlines. We're long-term stakeholders, and we are urging the company to schedule with reliability in order to give our customers back what they've come to expect from Delta. Captain Jason Ambrosi is a Delta pilot and chair of Delta's Master Executive Council, which is a unit of the Airline Pilots Association International. Captain Ambrosi, thank you for talking to us this afternoon. We appreciate it. Well, uh, thank you, Jim. I, I look forward to speaking to you again sometime. A Delta Airlines spokesperson tells WABE in a statement that this will not disrupt operations and that the company has restarted contract negotiations that had been paused for nearly two years because of the pandemic. Delta says its goal remains to provide pilots with an industry-leading overall contract with the best compensation based on pay, retirement, work rules, and profit sharing. It's possible Delta Airlines might be in the news again this holiday weekend because of potential travel disruptions. And if that happens, Delta will have company. According to the travel website thriftytraveler.com, since yesterday, American has canceled 500-plus flights and counting. United is up to 200. Bad weather will complicate the equation. So what gives? We're going to ask Gunnar Olson that. He's a flight deal analyst and editor at Thrifty Traveler. Gunnar, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Kathy. I'm well. How about you? Good. Thanks for being here. So I guess more than 500 flights canceled just today. And Delta announced yesterday it's going to allow travelers to reschedule flights free of charge this weekend. That that seems to be a sign of more trouble ahead. 
Yeah, we definitely think so. Uh, and I think Delta's waiver that they announced yesterday is them kind of admitting that there's going to be logistical challenges at our airports all across the country this weekend. Delta has been complaining of staffing shortages uh, earlier this summer. It said it would cut, what, 100 flights a day. Is that still a factor here? Yes, definitely. I think, um, you know, what has happened in the last month is they have not been able to staff up to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and that means that their routes, their network around the country is going to be disrupted because travel demand is as high as it was before the pandemic. So everyone is taking back to the skies, but there's not enough people above and below the wing to uh, staff those routes right now. So I think that's going to lead to some of this pain that they're expecting this weekend and that we've been seeing over the last couple of weekends. I saw a figure somewhere, maybe you saw it too, some 50,000 airline workers left or were let go at the height of the pandemic. What are airlines doing to find workers? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, basically, the airlines are doing whatever they can to find workers uh, you know, within their own ranks and from other airlines. Uh, for instance, the smaller regional carriers, uh, some of which fly under the Delta flag, uh, for instance, are having some of their staff uh, taken uh, up to the main Delta carrier. So uh, some of those smaller routes uh, are having issues with their staffing uh, and it's kind of as those people trickle up. Uh, but I know all the airlines have made a big point of making sure that they're hiring pilots quickly. Uh, there are some uh, hurdles as far as training hours, uh, the amount of time that pilots need in order to safely fly all of these airlines. Um, but, you know, right now they're staffing up as quickly as they can. So uh, airlines are cutting flights to balance staffing. And as they say, they hope to increase reliability, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Right. Uh, you know, this is things like this, uh, the free change waiver that Delta has just issued for this weekend. Um, they typically reserve these things for storms, weather events, uh, whether it be thunderstorms or snowstorms, other inclement weather that's impacting flights. But, um, you know, this is a, a very different kind of storm for them and one that they're not going to be able to ride out uh, very easily. So they're bracing for this. Uh, they're hiring as fast as they can. But um, I think for this summer, we can expect there to be at least some disruptions. What's this doing to Delta's brand and really to trust an in industry as a whole? Yeah, uh, well, for Delta in particular, they've prided themselves for a long time on being the on-time carrier. Uh, reliability has been so big for them and a huge part of their brand. And they've been able to do that because they build Slack into their system. Uh, there are you know, pilots, flight attendants, uh, there are people waiting at their major hubs to fill in on canceled flights. Uh, without that Slack, Delta has become pretty much just like every other airline. Uh, we're, you know, we're seeing Delta lead the way in cancellations last weekend. They also had a big meltdown over Memorial Day weekend. Um, I know people, especially in the Twin Cities area and in Minnesota, still love Delta because of the connectivity here out of the MSP hub. But uh, it's definitely something to look at that uh, their reputation has taken a little bit of a hit. Uh, but obviously, they're not alone here. Um, so many airlines are dealing with these same issues. Uh, Delta, because of their reputation as a reliable carrier, probably just a little more so. 
And as all this is happening, ticket prices have increased more than 45% since January, which is eye-popping. And and the flying experience, which really wasn't, let's face it, great to begin with, seems as, as though it's bad as it's ever been. Uh, how, do the, how do the ticket prices fold into all of this? Well, you know, we... We are seeing uh, overall, on average, ticket prices are much higher than they used to be, like you said, um, 40 something percent in a lot of cases. Um, you know, the demand is back for travel. People are ready to fly. Uh, and this summer, people are proving that they're willing to pay just about anything to fly. Uh, that's not to say that there aren't really good deals out there. Um, you know, Airfare is ultimately a competitive business, and uh, on the routes where there's lots of competition between airlines, we're still finding some really good low airfare. Uh, but it's definitely expensive, you know. Um, if you're going to your cousin's wedding for a weekend this summer, it's probably going to cost you. But as we look out into fall, things are a little bit more normal than we're seeing. So if you can stomach uh, saving your trip until September, October, November, there's plenty of good deals out there. Uh, we're finding them every day. But this summer, there's no doubt, uh, there's a little bit of pain as far as uh, your wallet when we're flying this summer. Say, so give me an idea, if you would please, about uh, deals you're seeing yet this summer. Yeah, so, I mean, this summer, uh, we've seen a lot of value on uh, flights internationally. I think the best value is going to be to Lisbon, Portugal, and not to Los Angeles. Uh, mm. The domestic airfare is sky high right now. Uh, there's so much demand for people to get around the country. But if you look overseas, you're actually going to find some really good value. All throughout this summer, uh, we found great flight deals to Europe flying. Uh, so think about Ireland's Aer Lingus. Uh, Portugal's TAP, um, you know, uh, Scandinavia's SAS, Iceland Air, which uh, flies in and out of Minneapolis too. There's a lot of value on those carriers um, and they have some nonstop flights too, which people are obviously interested in right now. You don't want to make a connection if you can avoid it at this point uh, so you don't get delayed or canceled. But, you know, one thing, I mean, we've seen some eye-popping stuff, I mean, down to Cape Town, South Africa from Minneapolis for less than $600 round trip. And, you know, that's a record low from Minneapolis. So there's lots of stuff out there if you're uh, willing to leave the country and without the return testing requirement, it's a little bit easier to do so than it was before. Say, so, I'm glad you mentioned uh, try to get a nonstop flight if you can, because if folks are planning to travel for this weekend and they're hearing, oh, my gosh, this could be kind of a mess. How do you prepare for something like this? Yeah, so there are some uh, quick and easy tips. We actually have some on our website at thriftytraveler.com. You can read all of them. But the best thing to do is, especially if you're flying Delta, take advantage of this waiver and go change your flight and pick the very first flight of the day. Uh, the early flight is much less prone to cancellations and delays. As the day goes on, there's a ripple effect of cancellations and delays where the crews that need to be in Minneapolis for your next flight might not be able to get there because of their cancellation and so on and so forth. So go book that early flight with this uh, travel waiver. You won't have to pay for the change fee. There's no uh, fare difference applied either. 
Um, like I mentioned before, fly nonstop if you can. Uh, I know that's easier said than done in some cases, but the more flights you take, the better your chances are for getting disrupted. Um, and then otherwise, just some simple things we usually recommend. Uh, don't check a bag. This is especially so right now. Uh, the bag drop line at the airport, especially at MSP right now, that's the worst pinch point in your travel experience. Uh, I mean, we've seen people waiting up to an hour just to get their bag on the conveyor belt, and that's before they even get to the security line. Um, plus, the airlines are losing bags uh, at record levels, partially due to these staffing concerns. So don't chance it. If you can avoid it, control your own destiny. And then finally, uh, get to the airport early. Um, you know, I love the memes of people making fun of dads who are a little overzealous and <laughs> getting to the airport early, but yes. I think dad's going to be vindicated this weekend. It's uh, <laughs> just good advice to take your time, get there early. Yeah. Well, Gunnar, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And if you're flying, good luck this weekend. <laughs> thank you, Kathy. You're welcome. Gunnar Olson is a travel reporter, flight deal analyst at thriftytraveler.com. Today, we celebrate Juneteenth, which commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. This is an American holiday. First at five, a big hang-up over a wrong number on the Midcoast. Good evening. I'm Jen Long. And I'm Jan Lamparello. A main business is drawing national backlash for a racist sign. But as CBS 13's Mel Meyer explains, a different company three hours away is now bearing the brunt of the outrage. It's a story you'll only see on CBS 13. Thank you for calling Reed Family Insurance Advisors. This is Nate. The phone started ringing a lot more than usual Tuesday morning, the day after Juneteenth. And I didn't know what was going on, so I just thought business is getting good. Nate Reed quickly realized yeah, something was wrong after a reporter called looking for comment. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, well, you might want to go online because there's this post going around on Reddit. The photo initially shared on Facebook shows a sign outside a business reading Juneteenth. It's whatever. We're closed. Enjoy your fried chicken and collard greens. I would love to see better for this community. The message was put up at the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency in Millinocket. This is Reed Family Insurance Advisors, 150 miles away in Damariscotta. I hope that burns down to the ground. Ever since the photo went viral, his company has been inundated with furious voicemails, Google reviews, and messages. We are not affiliated nor associated with, it just happens to be the same last name. What was it like to have your business associated with that message by mistake? It was heartbreaking. Nate Reed says it runs completely counter to what he believes in. We want to treat everybody like family. We are here for everyone. We're just trying to let everybody know that it's not us. That's why he's trying to set the record straight. The whole ordeal has made him scared for his family and his business, all because of misdirected anger. My message to others would be to do your research, do your due diligence, because there are good people out there that can be ruined by one bad thing. We tried calling the actual company that posted the sign, but we were unable to get through. In Damariscotta, Melmire, CBS 13 News. <laughs> Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 1, 2022, so I have 
been told. This is our weekly <clears throat> summit on neutralizing workplace racism. Now I thought we were like all done with Juneteenth moving on Independence Day, right? They got all their tacky uh what is it? Uh no fireworks signs posted all over town and what have you. I guess if I'd give my PSA before we get back to Juneteenth, since it is holiday weekend, this would be a great time. You might, you know, Gus is a coon. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That might be true. Even Dr. Wilson, all her talking about sobriety and all that, she might not know what she's talking about either. That might be true. But this weekend, I would pretend at least that on that one point about sobriety for this weekend, they might know what they're talking about. That would be a great idea to enforce, share with your offspring, people that you care about. If you all are out at the BBQ, hey, sobriety would be best. They are going to have sobriety checkpoints. I am at the beach now. I was at the beach. Oh, it was today. I forgot it was today. So I was coming from being like at the water beach, not at a distance, right? So I'm coming back and the enforcement officials are driving down to go to the beach. Now, if I was at Alki Beach, lamest beach in Seattle, I expect to see the enforcement officer. I expect to see them like driving down on the sand and everything. Richmond Beach, really most of the other beaches in Seattle, I do not expect to see the fuzz. They were at Richmond Beach, and then I said, like, oh yeah, it's the holiday weekend. This is not even an area where Negroes are allowed to reside, so especially if you're hanging out, if the BBQ is in a non-white area, sobriety checkpoints, all of that, you do not want to consume anything. Nothing. No poisons, no narcotics. If you have to consume something with whatever they're grilling up, you need to stay put. No traveling, no being on the road, uh, especially if you're in one of those beach areas, rowdy towns and what have you, or an area with a sizable population of black people. I'd say from now, probably through next weekend. And I wouldn't want to be around firecrackers at all they were talking about the in, in NFL uh, what's his name uh, Jean-Paul Pierre think he's won a few Super Bowls and what have you and he missed the whole year of NFL salary uh, mangled his hand fourth of you live fireworks like are you serious they got droughts in places too they mess around and start fires and burn down the whole neighborhood with all that nonsense none of that Fire safety. Get an amen from retired firefighter. Fire safety this week. That goes for the grilling, all of that. Now, tacky holidays aside, speaking of tacky holidays, all that. I thought we were done with Juneteenth. I didn't see that last report in Maine. The uh, white bit, they, they, they mixed it up. One, that this was an insurance business. The racist offender where they put the sign up. You know, we're, we're closed. Juneteenth. Whatever. Enjoy your 
fried chicken and collard greens, collards. They got it mixed up on the correct business. Now, hey, I say all the time, strive for accuracy. You never know. You get the wrong information. They could have been contacting uh, a non-white business and, you know, all the rest of it. Strive for accuracy. But I mean, really, like, that is terrible that that happened to them, what have you. But I do not want to sit here like this white person is the victim. Like, I am sure white people will come to to their aid and go on Google and write 50 or 5,000 reviews like, oh, these folks are great and they are definitely not racist and all the rest and, you know, all of that. And then go identify the racist who did put that sign up. Go to work. Anywho, this broadcast not for spectators. If you have figured out some things, they don't do that sort of thing on your job. They don't leave any sort of tacky signs and come up and kid you about Juneteenth. Oh, did you have your chitlins last weekend? <laughs> all that. They don't do that. You get all of your raises, all of your promotions. You get extraordinary performance reviews every time. If you need it, hey, if you want to take the whole weekend off and Monday for so-called Independence Day, got to do some traveling. Delta might be acting crazy. Might take me a little longer to get back. No problem. We'll see you on Wednesday. That's the sort of rapport that you have in your work environment. You got a great office. They don't mess you around on your schedule. Have you coming in at 8 a.m. on Friday and then have you coming in at 11 p.m. on Saturday? They don't do that. Consistent schedule, safe work environment. You are compensated correctly, valued asset to the organization. If that's you, do not spectate. We would love to replicate some of your workplace comforts the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate the number again 720-716-7300 the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail dot com. Until justice at gmail dot com. If you want to be anonymous or have concerns about your voice being recognized drop an email we can read your commentary if you have suggestions these are some strategies that might work out for people in their work environment or if you have a situation uh, you'd like some of our thoughts uh, counter racist suggestions again the goal is always solve problems without creating new problems workplace and beyond few things before we get to some of the folks who dialed in and some of the emails as well. Uh, the audio that we heard at the beginning, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner got his sound clip in there for the NFL uh, promo. 
Anywho, uh, oh, that was Juneteenth. We'll get, well, already mentioned a little bit of that. Anywho, the NFL, they had the whole segment. I'm never going to say commanders. It's going to be Washington Redskins until the system of white supremacy has been replaced. They did not want to change the name. People had asked for years, so this is really tacky and all the rest of it. We talked about some of this in the archives. I'm never calling them the command that report. Maybe I'll think about it if they give the unredacted, unedited version of what kind of toxic workplace environment is going on here in Washington, D.C., nation's capital? What's going on here? Maybe I'll think about it, especially if they're going to report it, because that's the report John Gruden got fired. They didn't even say anything about racism. That's, hey, we only got a little bit about that. And John Gruden talking about some rubber lips. They didn't even go into all the other details. Like, wait a minute, what about the racist jokes and thing? Wait a minute. This is when Obama was in the White House and the sports team right in D.C. Like, come on, man. You can give me three or four Obama jokes at least. They edited it all out. Just, yeah. Roger Goodell, that's the white man, the uh, commissioner of the NFL. Uh, and they said, and that is important, the power dynamics that the white owners, and I'm glad they didn't get into that old old boys exclusive club. They just said it's an exclusive club because we went through the list before. Is quite a few white women who own NFL teams including the Raiders amongst many others anywho uh, but they talked about the exclusivity uh, of the club and how these white owners they pay Roger Goodell's hefty million dollar salary whatever it is I think they said like 40 million dollars or whatever it is annually they pay his salary so he does their bidding he's supposed to go and protect the Washington Redskins and the, even the franchises that they named the Dallas Cowboys Cowboys and Indians that's what, another reason I'm never going to call them the commanders Redskins Cowboys Patriots no patriotism it's just racism white supremacy then they somehow segue from all this toxicity with the commanders and uh, the sexism they said and all that with the cheerleaders left out the racism component somehow they hop from that in other news raping negro Deshaun Watson still has four suits remaining and isn't it a disgrace the Cleveland Browns structured his contract so that he doesn't have to endure financial penalties. Isn't this disgraceful? I thought they learned their lesson. Didn't we have that no count Negra Ray Rice from before? And we talked, I talked about that and saying, man, anytime white people have video or they have some case and they wait, they don't do it immediately. They're not about justice immediately. They wait seven, eight months. All that Ray Rice video footage that they waited, that they had for seven, eight months they waited and released it in the middle of those protests about Michael Brown Jr. Important for context. But anyway, thought they learned their lesson from all this with Ray Rice. It seems like they still have a lot of growing to do. 
man, they didn't even indict Deshaun. Like, they left that out completely. Like, these civil cases, they want to settle. They don't want to settle. We'll see what happens. But they had an opportunity before Deshaun Watson was even traded. No indictment. I've seen how easy it is to indict a black football player. That was with the Raiders, too. They just had player who was drinking driving I think he killed someone unfortunately but he got indicted him being a football player didn't save him OJ Simpson so that's not you know hey if he had done something incorrect I suspect he would have been indicted in Texas he wasn't we'll see what in the era of me too this wasn't like 50 years ago this was recent Negro male history and he didn't get indicted Anyway, uh, so they hop from the Redskins misconduct, no count, raping black males, beating black males, Ray Rice, and it's disgraceful. And then their final word is, well, it is a, it's too big to fail. You know, they make all this money and it's about to be 40, I think, billion dollars, they said, moving forward, 2025. Uh, They said, hey, it, it might be successful, but that doesn't mean it's moral. Now, I mean, there were many things disgraceful about that particular report, but I mean, really point to the business that you think is moral in the system of white supremacy. How does the NFL even start? You can't even hire Negro coaches. Remember Johnny Cochran? Cynthia Wiggins. Yeah, we talked about that. And OJ Simpson and Reginald Denny Geronimo Pratt NFL trying to get them to hire black coaches moral what about the brain damage what about that they went got Roger Goodell to go out and lie about all that didn't even want to compensate the black players correctly said that they had some sort of Negro brain trauma anyway you know they're not very intelligent uh, you know they got the, the bell curve so they're not subject to they don't warrant the same type of compensation as a white athlete and not a Tom Brady out here they're no Brett Favre I should hope not that's the NFL moral moral on the brain damage alone we sit around and cheer for people to go out and oh kill him mean it literally too hope they have to get a stretcher and cart him off moral in a system with a team in the same report, the Washington Redskins. It was the team song, and I bet you they still have people who sit in that stadium and sing it and fight for old Dixie. That was the team song for years. They would go to the games and pelt their own black players. Negro, pow! But I just scored a touchdown for the Redskins. Ah, Negro. And I think they were planning a federal land grant at the time doing all this, but neither here nor there. Moral. Moral. I'm disgusted. Again, point to the business, even volunteered, that you think is moral. Whatever that means in a system of white supremacy racism. As a vegan, I even look at PETA. I remember some of the advertisement that advertisements that they've done. Animal protection and all that. I, 
point to the group business volunteer group that you think is moral next uh, they talked about the cuts layoffs uh, in some of the tech industries Tesla Netflix I saw Tesla they were just in the news they had a number of suits and allegations of white supremacy racism but they had even uh, more recent allegations uh, this week within the past few days maybe we'll share some of that uh, if we have time they used an interesting metaphor in talking about these tech industries they said the frothier industries frothier I mean are we at the Starbucks I mean this is Seattle so Starbucks capital but I mean what frothier that's like now I don't think frothy is in the word God I could be wrong but I know cream of the crop is in there the frothier the whiter industries lot is so many different ways of suggesting and stating that we're talking about these are really powerful white people or white people who make a lot of money frothier no niggers there yes uh, but they said these cuts are supposed to be coming uh, to te- as I said Tesla some of the tech industries and they even said within that report like dang we were just talking days ago really about wow this is great workers market and people are demanding higher wages and they got all these shortages and all this hey things change that is the system of white supremacy racism they can change things when they want to great illustration of why it is always good even in the best of times even if that's you that I talked about at the beginning you're getting paid astronomical figure right up there close to LeBron James about to be an active billionaire great frugal this is not the time to go out and you know waste money and party and every day long and have the biggest July 4th bash you can think of no things can change quickly and racists will be the ones who make those changes frequently and most of the time they're not going to be to our benefit Uh, let's see we're not going to be in the frothier position I was really taken aback because really the airline industry that might be another one of those frothier industries they just had all those reports talking about how that is white male exclusive in this part of the world and many others super white male now they have programs to attract women don't want black males in these frothy environments but when I heard that I, that was the first thing I thought when I heard those reports and they were talking about pilots and it was pilots uh, really that they were focused on going on strike uh, and I was one like okay so we're talking about lots of white dudes however some of the reports talking about these uh, pilot strikes they did have airline stewardesses there and even some of them were black females non-white females and they were out protesting as well so I don't know you know if the rescheduling and and when they furloughed staff with COVID-19 and now the flights are picking back up and what have you for the holidays and summer travel and all the rest of it uh, I don't know if they're being impacted as well it wouldn't surprise me but uh, that was it was a lot of things that I thought of and hearing that uh, report more than anything hey if you got these are white people suspected racists 
who are or he I guess they said he emphasized they didn't go on strike but at least they're having some sort of dispute about their labor conditions hey safety I think a big part of that report you had the uh, white pilot saying hey we've been working all this overtime this is way more than we worked before this is not sustainable like if this is going to be uh, a short period of time to just get through a tough spot until they hire more people and all the rest of it but this has been indefinite we've been doing this for a really long time no end in sight this is not uh, sustainable or healthy or safe very important and many white people in workplace situations and even many non-white people will do the exact same thing and I would say especially with non-white workers like oh man safety whatever regulations and all the rest of it like make as much money as possible and if it compromises the health and well-being uh, of some non-white people in the process oh well long as I'm making money big deal if you don't like it quit I'll hire someone else that type of philosophy you have to be same way with those pilots saying hey this is enough something has got to be done about all this incidentally I did take that kind of in uh, I had been saying before like it might not be a good time to travel and then it seemed like things were uh, at least restrictions and things were easing and more people were going out and about wow does not sound like this is the best July 4th weekend to be in the air um, maybe do as they advise see if you can use that free waiver uh, or fee waiver uh, so that you can reschedule your flight maybe leave early or whatever you need to do man I would not be looking forward in fact before we went live I saw a report they said I think it was some airlines they were offering $10,000 if you walk off of a plane that's how what can I say that's how uh, ridiculous the scheduling has been how many problems that they've got and we haven't even got to the fourth yet that's Monday if it's this bad out here like oh my goodness $10,000 to walk off of a plane craziness craziness if you have offspring if they're doing any traveling I think our young scholar in the Bay Area I said hey if you want to go to Germany go now because they did say that the cheap flights and what have you might be able to find one Whew. maybe not this weekend and do lots of research talk to your children if they're going to be doing any flying if they, any craziness happens already have that prepared what you want them to do get in contact with you reschedule just stay an extra day get an Airbnb for a day or whatever but talk to them if they're going to do their you know young and got to get out and make up for all that lost time craziness abounds Uh, let's see I mentioned the portion about the stewardess yeah or excuse me about the uh, Juneteenth in May I will say really quick for uh, since I mentioned Juneteenth July 4th is uh, Monday I have worked on jobs where they did like some kind of I don't even know what you want to call it like summer uh, July 4th celebration or kind of summer uh, type celebration all the same rules would apply if you have a job and they do that sort of thing like they want to have like a July 4th barbecue or whatever uh, sobriety that would be number one if they you know somebody brings a cooler and they want some brews or wine or whatever sober and these events 
Uh, I've been to some where they did these during work hours. So, I mean, hey, we're on the clock. Fine. I didn't want to be doing any work anyway. I'm still not eating anything. I would know about this in advance and bring my own food, bring my own water. And then if it's one of those things where you can leave after a certain point, I'm staying 30 minutes and we're out. No need to lollygag all day. I'll be very mindful. People a lot of times will use these type of events, white co-workers and even some non-white co-workers to pry. Now we're not in the office uh, space. They'll say something. Oh, we can let our hair down, down. Use that metaphor. So then they can ask you a bunch of wacky questions about your personal life and sex life and all this other nonsense. I would already have that in mind and know you're just telling oh you know I don't want to talk about that I don't talk about dating or anything uh, and or where you are you know this is what information I'm willing to share this is what information I'm not willing to share and this is how I'm going to get out of these type of questions uh, if they ask me something like oh are you dating anyone like oh you know I'm just doing me right now are you seeing anybody or I might even pivot off of that subject completely got any plans for the summer even pivot back to the workplace now that's even better like I'm not even interested because they answer that and then expect you to do the same I might pivot them right back to the office or something very neutral because I don't really want to hear about their personal life either not going to sit up here and talk me uh, to death about your little children Jeffrey Dahmer in training no thank you Anywho, number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I found it so easy. I will share a little bit. Uh, I forgot I bookmarked it. So it's... Tesla hit with another lawsuit alleging racism and harassment at its Fremont plant. I've been there, Bay Area. Now, this is from San Francisco Chronicle, so of course, but Bay Area, I've been there. The BART goes right to Fremont. Uh, electric car maker Tesla was sued again Thursday, this time by a group of current and former African American workers at its Fremont factory who say they were subject to racist graffiti, slurs, and harassment. They said the company and managers knew about knew about it but did nothing to stop it the complaints list more than a dozen current and former tesla workers but also lists dozens of tesla employees as defendants it was not immediately clear if any of the employees had signed mandatory arbitration agreements which tesla has used in the past or how that could affect the ability to bring the case in state court the plaintiffs have been subjected to offensive racist statements and offensive racist behavior and discipline by colleagues, leads, supervisors, managers, and or human resources personnel on a daily basis, the suit said. Tesla, which is owned by Elon Musk, did not immediately respond to an emailed request for comment and has not for more than a year Amid reports, its public relations and press department was dismantled last year. And we will stop there. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just give it a little bit. Jasmine Wilson, the first named plaintiff in the suit filed Thursday, worked 
as a quality inspector at the plant from August 2021 until March 2022. During that time, she was the target of racial epithets and catcalling from leads. Supervisors and managers, many of whom assumed she was a production associate because she was African-American and admonished her for not doing that job and wearing the uniform for that role, according to the filing. Jeez. She was also subjected to sexualized comments about her body by a production associate identified as Lavelle Doe, who was joined by two others identified as Victor Doe and Nora Doe. Yikes, Nora sounds like a female name. So was females and males making these sexualized comments? Dang. When Wilson reported the incidents, Human Resources was skeptical of her claims and a promised investigation never materialized, the suit said. It's hard to imagine a workplace culture that these hardworking people had to endure day after day, having to live through racist comments and abusive behavior, said plaintiff's attorney Mike Arias. Hearing story after story of employees being subjected to this level of disgusting and threatening behavior and language is still almost unbelievable. Racial slurs, including the N-word, were also scrawled, uh, scrawled on Tesla restroom walls along with swastikas and KKK, which attorneys said were left up for months at a time without the company taking them down or addressing the issue. Well, uh, it goes a quite a bit of even being uh, black people being forced to work uh, more grueling shifts. Uh, it gives quite a bit of detail. Uh, what I would say is, uh, number one, again, you have to talk to your offspring and or make sure you yourself study aware of racism, white supremacy. If your child and or you are taking a job, this is what I've said before, I would want to research that organization. If you're going to go and work at Tesla, it would be great. Look, you research like, oh, wow, they've had lots of reports of this sort of activity before. I would want to know all about that. Might even ask about that at some point to see if people, if it happened at this location, or even if it happened at another location. People aware of this, this happened in the company, and did they take steps to remedy this to make sure that this sort of problem doesn't recur? Legitimate, I think, right? You could ask that, I think. Research. I would research where you work at, and then all of the sexualized, all document ever oh my gosh another plaintiff terry mitchell was terminated after about a month of work during which she and other african-american employees were called blackies and darkies in addition to the n-word all of that why are you calling me blackie why are you calling me darkie what do you do with darkies do you reference anyone else here by something other than their name and just see document all of that when they're talking about KKK being up on the walls I would have a newspaper or whatever where you can uh, date stamp that this has been up this has been reported Nothing's been done about this. 
all of that when they talk about this is the sort of culture that it seemed managers people knew about these things darkies blackies kkk all of it knew about all of this black people giving more grueling work nothing was done white people are not ignorant about any of this this is just you know what it means to be white this is our pleasure get to come in and harass the black people we expect that she is not going to be in one of the frothier positions she's supposed to be one of these low level folks you know that's the uniform that you're supposed to have on that's what we think of you and or some sort of whore we can call you all these names now incidentally if we're you know the darkies and the blackies and ignorant and dumb and all the rest why all this sexualization why are you looking me all up and down and apparently the males and females why is that anywho I would not be surprised about any of that that's the thing expecting this and then even that if they're doing any cat calling and mm, mm, go shake it and all of that even now that's one I wouldn't even address with racism that's just hey exactly what I just said it's me too now we gonna do all this about Deshaun Watson that should be one easy immediately I would, what did you just say write that down date time any folks that they want to witness notarize what was said cat calling and boom 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 shake those hips or whatever it is boom 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 and then does that is this acceptable to say in the workplace is this how we're supposed to talk to one another put everything in the form of a question I would speak with HR because this has nothing to do with racism I found that problem solving that is not connected to racism white supremacy often can be much more efficient in getting things done and even like I've said before some of this I suggest being preemptive when you start the job ask an orientation about what's to be done if someone makes sexually inappropriate remarks so you already know what the protocol is that also sends a message we talk about that too sometimes there's nothing you can do this young lady may have been doing everything perfect in terms of codification racists are going to be racist dogs bark that happens try to do as much as you can preemptively and then if they still do what they do document report serious everything is about serious and in my view have to say something that's one of those you have to nip in the bud my man Walter Beach the third said cut it at the knees Cleveland Browns again uh, cut it at the knees because that sort of thing tends to escalate especially if you got like a mob women males females all of them participating in it escalate in terms of they start maybe yesterday today they start with you know hey and they whistling and shaking and catcalling all the rest of it then we get to Monday August October now we drew a little petting feeling all the rest of it and we've had people who've called in who talked about that that I mean Jeffrey Don all of that we talked about that escalation it's not just going to stay there like let's see how much we can get away with like oh we did a little of that and they didn't say anything oh did a little of that and they didn't say okay and they just go and go and go cut it at the knees as soon as they come the first time show them you are totally serious I'm not just going to sit here and have you all bully me and I'm not going to do anything to try to stop it weak position that I'm in 
Anywho, Tesla, man, it's been all year long. Uh, so the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, first few folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Oh, okay. Heard. Uh, all Can of I be them. heard? Yes, ma'am. Let's get our caller 5196. Okay. Yes. Hi, Gus. Hi, Cal's listeners. This is Miss C. Um, I just wanted to respond to uh, the comment that you made about, like, white businesses don't really need our sympathy or help because they're going to galvanize their support base and, you know, white people are going to write reviews after reviews after reviews to support the business. So <clears throat> uh, I have an example of that that happened uh, a couple months ago in May. Um, so there's a there's a local event venue and it's white owned, but I think they're trying to say like they're Hispanic, but um, and they're they're they collaborate with like people of color, non-white people, black people, you know. And a lot of my colleagues, um, we formed like a, a coalition of black-owned businesses, um, which is which is an interesting term, but. Um, they were trying to get me to connect with this particular venue and, you know, rub shoulders or get close to them, get to know them, get in with them um, so I could be like a preferred vendor and all that. Um, but I, I just never pursued it. I was just like, I'm not really interested in that. Uh, so I recently discovered one of their posts where they had a quinceanera um, event at their venue in May, um, and that's like in the Latin community, a rites of passage where a young girl, she transitions from girlhood into womanhood, um, and they shared that the quinceanera, it was supposed to be like 130 people at their venue, and you know, different venues have like a maximum capacity. They drew up a contract for 130 people, but um, the owners claimed that 250 people, including a lot of teenagers, showed up to the event. So instead of sending out invitations, getting RSVP so you could get accurate number count the week of the event, um, the the quinceanera um, she sent out an open invitation. So the venue had to hire extra security. Um, there was a lot of issues, like kids were smoking in the restroom, there was gum all over the floor, and then they reported some other things, breach of contract. Um, the the owners of the venue told the mother of the quinceanera um, that they were going to keep the deposit, and I, I don't know, it could be a white Hispanic or a non-white Hispanic, who knows, Um but this mother, she sent out a group text and made sure that the people would send, um, would go to the business's Google page and leave like one-star reviews. So before this particular event, this venue was probably at, you know, like 20 reviews on Google, um, which is, you know, decent. It is a newer business and all that kind of stuff. But after they sent out um, 
a notice to the community. Um, they ended up with 84 five-star reviews that were left in two days, two days after sending sending out the call for help. Um, so the venue was also able to remove all of the one-star reviews except for four of them. So instead of being at 3.2 with the one-star reviews, uh, they, they're back to 4.9. Um, and I say, I say that just to reinforce what Gus has said is these businesses, they don't need our help. They don't need our sympathy. Um, they don't, they're going to get the financial support, the physical support. People are going to go out of their way to, um, give them resources, whether it be their time, their money, their presence, and, uh, yeah, (laughs) if it's a, if it's a non-white business, you get one-star review, you you ask your clients to help you, it's, it's not going to happen. So with that, I will end my call. Well, well uh, the Voltron effect, white people generally are extraordinary at rallying support uh, and getting folks, hey, we are not racist. We are not bad folks, man. Come support us. Give us a five-star review, man. Like, they are amazing. And I've seen that as well, like, going the other way, not just being able to use that, like, hey, you know, help us out, leave us a review, that sort of thing. They're trying to mess us over. Or these folks in Maine, like, they messed us over. We didn't even put the sign up. Uh, where if they want to attack a non-white business, they can do the same thing. Rally all these people that leave their one star review and no count, dirty, that sort of thing. Like that is the strength of the system we are trying to defeat. Uh, let's see, other folks who dialed in with a hand up. I heard, uh, I think it was several, several ladies at the same time. Let's see. Uh, Jeff, can I go next? Because I'm at an event and it's loud noise and I'm making a wait so I can do my workplace racism oh, to yeah. do nails. Let's let's hear it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, real quick. So Oh dear, I hate this noise. Um school district, summer school, uh, second week. I'm not being mean to people, I'm not arguing with people. But I, I expect respect. So I remember the caller stating that I I was uh, maybe being a little argumentative. I'm not. I'm just not going to let you speak to me any kind of way. And sometimes I have to elevate my voice to be heard because you're already yelling at me and I want to be heard. So this week, a Filipino teacher, Filipino uh, uh, worker like me, and a uh, white teacher's assistant. So... uh, they made a schedule for us to change this little boy on a, a Hoyer lift that I've never used. Uh, I'm not even used to all this stuff. The, the lady's trying to, um, the teacher, the Filipino teacher is trying to get us to uh, feed this girl. Uh, I think she has cerebral palsy with a straw, like a Capri Sun straw. Then she went to a McDonald's straw. Then they got the uh, Bobo. 
straw instead of waiting until the school year starts when they get her straw that they want you to use. And um, these are all future goals, but she wants them done now. This is a teacher. She's not listening to anything we're saying. She's like, you guys should shut up and do what you're told. So she created this uh, schedule for who's going to change what. So the white lady conveniently, the one who's familiar with the boy who needs a Hoyer lift, she only wants to do it twice a week. And then she'll help change the easy one, which is the uh, one with cerebral palsy. She'll do that three days a week. But the lady, the other lady that's just like me, she has five days a week changing the boy in the Hoyer lift. She's only done it a few times with the white lady. And she also has to change uh, the other girl, I think, three days a week uh, with the white lady as well. So she's telling the Filipino teacher she doesn't think it's fair that she's doing the changing the, the hardest one five days a week. And she's not as familiar with the system versus the white lady. And so they're getting into an argument. So I walk in in the middle of it. I don't even know what's going on. I'm just trying to rush the kids in. So when the kids get in, uh, she's... Uh, I don't know what she was saying, but um, I'm ignoring her because she's not talking to me. She's talking to uh, the Filipino uh, person like me. So she's saying, um, yeah, you guys get the schedule together. You guys get the schedule together. I got the schedule right here. You got the schedule. Get the schedule. Hey, you. Talking about me. And I was like, hey, how you doing? What? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Anyway, so we got the schedule right here. You got to do this and do this and do this and do this on the schedule. So I said, I don't. Okay, that's fine. It's not fine. And she's just hollering and screaming at me. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? It's not fine. She's got a problem with it. I'm like, what the hell? Look, I don't care. I take my mask off. I said, look, I don't care what the board says. I'm not tripping because I'm on the clock in real life. So I don't really, whatever I'm doing on the clock, it doesn't matter because I'm on the clock. So you need me to change because I'll change them. I'm not tripping because I still get paid if I change them or not. So I just don't know how. I just need help because I don't pour your lips. No training. Um, just get in there and do all this stuff. So the lady is yelling and screaming at me, so I had to elevate my voice a bit so I could be heard. Now the white lady wanted to chime in saying whatever she's saying. She always got something to say like she's a heckler. She always had to have something to say. Nobody's even talking to you. So she's telling the white lady, okay, yeah, you too. You get to, you know, you guys get the schedule together. What schedule? You already have a schedule here. What do you want? You created the schedule already. So the white uh, lady uh saying whatever she's saying. And so uh, I said, well, look, uh, Filipino teacher, are you you yelling is not solving any problems. You don't have to yell. Oh, well, I'm not yelling. Am I yelling, Mrs. White Lady? The white lady said, no, you're not. I'm like, ah, is this cool? It's cool. So I just stopped talking right there. And then her tone went from a four, the teacher, to a two instantly. No more yelling, no more none of that. Uh, yesterday, the day before, her tone just completely dropped because she knows she was yelling. She knows she was out of order. So now the white lady want to ride on the um, bandwagon. So she's already a jerk, already rude, already discourteous, um, already wants to take all the credit. She wants to be the one doing everything. So yesterday, white lady, um, now the Filipino lady that's like me, she's already going to quit on Friday. That's what she said. That's how stressful it is. So, which is today. Well, she quit today. Her last day was today. So anyway, um, I come in yesterday. uh I didn't work with the, uh, the 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 guy that walked runs around with the scissors or the, the 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 little guy. I didn't work with him, the one I've been working with, because they're trying to show up. So she took the uh, little girl that the other girl like me was dealing with. She took her away, gave it to the white lady, and they had the white lady dealing with her. basically all the kids, and we just getting where we fit in. No big deal because I still get paid. If she wants to take it all, take it all, do everything. So 
but the little boy that I work with, he didn't do any work because I didn't work with him. So they thing when we came back from changing the boy that needs to Hoyer lift, he had uh, he we would shredding paper or anything, anything, because he then got up and started, you know, ah, and, you know, whatever he does. So they couldn't calm him down, so they gave him a paper shredder job, and that only lasted for so long. So anyway, the next day, okay, so what was he doing yesterday? Was you know, can you help him um, with his work? So the white lady, she wants to yell over. So like, no, I just want her to help uh, with the work. This is the Filipino teacher talking to me. And so I said, okay, so what was he doing yesterday? Yeah, what's this white lady yelling out. I was like, ma'am, no, you're being argumentative. I said, ma'am, what are you, what are you talking about? No, you just be quiet. The only thing you say is yes and okay. That's all you say. You don't say anything else. You just speak. And she's moving her hand. You know how you do the yep, yep, yep with your hands or maybe a puppet. She's yelling it. And so every time I was just like, I don't know. All I'm asking is what did he do? Hey, you just be quiet. And you just say, okay, you're being argumentative. And so I said, ma'am, my goodness. So then the teacher, she's looking crazy. So in the midst of this trauma, I requested a supervision meeting with the behavioralist. So she said, okay, we can do this tomorrow and every week. So yesterday was a meeting. So thereafter, I'm with the white lady to change the little girl and the uh, the one looks like she has cerebral palsy. I'm, I'm with her to change. So now she has to come find me to change the little girl. And she could have already did it before lunch, but she didn't want to. And I mean the kids' lunch because I go out with the other lady, the one in the wheelchair. He gets fed or however. And then the other kids, I watch the other kids and make sure the boy doesn't run off. So now she comes get me. So I have the key. I'm the only one to brought my key. So I'm like, yeah, I have my key. I don't leave. Why would I have a key and I don't have Winnie? So the little girl's trying to get in. And I said, hold on, let me get my key. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Your words. Less words. Less words. So don't talk so much. Less words. You know how with autism, you know how like on Charlie Brown, that the, the, the noise and uh, the, the talking, so you can't talk. So don't talk. Just use as less words as possible talking to them because they can't take it. So just don't talk. But now, mind you, every time somebody talks to me, Miss So-and-so, hey, hey, no, no, no. Don't talk to her. Talk to me. This is the energy. Hey, hey, focus on this. Don't talk to her. So she doesn't want anybody talking to me. So I told the behavioralist uh, when I got off work, me and the other girl, she said, well, can I walk with you? Because I want to let her know this is my last day is tomorrow. And so we all went together. And then so when the lady was telling her that, she's like, what's going on? She's like, I don't want to talk about it, but that's my last day is tomorrow. It's too stressful here. So then I was talking to the behavioralist, and I was just telling her everything that we were enduring and everything that I had been sharing and how she's trying to uh, have us do physical therapy with the boy in the wheelchair. And the physical therapist had to come this week and say they can't do anything. That's just stuff that we want to do. Well, why is it in the paperwork? Why is it in the paperwork? So she has the white lady. Okay, you kids are keeping her working with this straw. What straw? You mean the straw, the, the, the fast food straw? No, that's not, the, that's not what they meant. But whatever, you guys do whatever you do. So the supervisor told me to take off. She said, take off, come back on Tuesday. You don't got to deal with that. I'll be in there on Wednesday. Um, I'm going to report all this to the principal. I have to. Um, I know who you're talking about. I know the white lady. She's crazy. She's always talking. I don't know who she thinks she is telling you you can't do your job. And um, don't worry about it. She's like, and if you have to, you want to quit, you could do that too. It's up to you. We'll deal with it on Tuesday. So um, as far as when I come back, but I took off today, I'm here at this uh, thing. I didn't know I was going to do nails until 30 minutes ago. So 
I'm here at this West Oakland Town Night uh, event. Attack. <laughs> and um, it's so noisy in there. So thank you for taking my call. I'm going to get out and do these nails. I'm sure they're already done. So I'm going to see what they have me doing in here. And uh, thank you for taking my call. That's, I'm going to mute my line. And um, if I pop back in or something, just mute me. And it's not on purpose. And thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, wow. Bay Area, right on. Uh, man, that is crazy. I don't even... <laughs> pardon for saying crazy. Let's be specific. Uh, where I underlined it. No training. Asking these non-white employees who have not been trained to work with a student who has special needs he's in his chair what have you know that this is all over the world standard operating procedure Not, and I mean I suspect you probably get quite a bit more money you got to do all this extra training and special needs and he's got a special chair and a lift and all of this like man can I get a few get, get, get that gas card something come on oh and that's why I said like all of that exactly what she kept saying I haven't been trained for this we haven't been trained for this this is not safe for this young scholar this is not safe for us you already know this we shouldn't have to be the ones reminding you of this you're probably not reminding them this is just racism white supremacy. I said that already I said that was why I played that whole clip with the pilots even though I know that's probably just white dudes but them recognizing like this is not safe this is a problem same thing we victims of white supremacy have to be super vigilant have I been trained to carry out this task in a safe manner frequently the answer will be no just point that and again it's not like they don't know this I'm sure she's very aware that these niggers haven't been trained to do this at all what whatever yeah. and then somebody gets in trouble it'll be you anyway so what part of what I was saying is crazy not the no training that's not crazy crazy that's standard uh, all of this yelling about the schedule these are children with special needs they should have like the most patient instructors quiet gentle voice very calming mild tone that's what I would expect special needs Oh, you're gonna get him for the right now. Don't you talk. You blew it. You blew it. You blew it, son. I mean, what in the gym coaches don't even talk like that anymore? Like, what in the world? Now, again, this is Dr. Francis Cress Welsing 
you play around with sex this just sounds wonderful for a child best childhood memories ever and the vindictiveness you hear how much of that this seems to be repeated where uh, there are white instructors who sit around and talk bad uh, about Bay Area mom and it seems like probably some of the other non-white staff members sit around and talk bad about them in front of other the students in front of other staff get an attitude because maybe this person is trying to be competent here on time cares about the students trying to do things to be helpful for the students the students respond <laughs> I got an attitude they don't they don't respond to me and my yelling you blew it you blew it son you blew. they don't respond to me they respond her old nigga I don't talk to her don't talk to her matter of fact you be quiet don't say anything don't say anything don't oh, like what is that I thought I was here to help I thought I was here to help. That's what I do. I'm here to help. Don't say a word. Disgusted with you. Students all smiling and bonding with Don't talk to her. Like, I've never even heard that. How do you have. I'm trained. I've sat in the classroom. I'm hired. I'm supposed to be here to them. Don't say anything. Wow. You want me to go sit in the corner with the dunce cap on? Should I do that? Man the vindictive that's another reason incidentally get that masters because you you don't want to be in the well hey we don't want to be in the classroom superintendent track and you can help get that type of race soldier out of the classroom that's a disgrace if you're talking to other the staff that way my gosh I know how you feel about the black students jeez uh, she says, uh, and then the other staff, I guess similar position, all this yelling and abuse. She said, forget it. I'm, I'm quitting Friday. I guess today. <laughs> For today is, is my last day. And the summer session just started. Like <laughs> it's July 1st. Like it's not like she hung in there for, for a month or three weeks or something. Like I am going to get this a travel. She hung in for literally a couple of days. Like, ah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> like what what in the world that is a horrible indictment of you know whatever classroom she was in or maybe even the whole school but at minimum uh the, <clears throat> excuse me the classroom and whoever the white teacher uh that she had to work with i'm out of here in a few days bailing on the students and everything what sort of example does that set for the students don't drop out of school. We just had the teacher. She quit in two to three days. Well, you know, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what can, like, man, making our job harder here in many ways. Uh, and now that right there, the, the, everything that she shared, I should be paid way more. When she told us about even signing up to do all this and they wanted to hem and haw. And, oh, I don't know if we can pay that much. And oh, I don't know. We'll have to ask. And oh, that's way out of the salary range that we have for this. But then, like, forget. You can't even get people. You're running around here at the last minute, literally trying to fill voids in your staff and have staff employees quitting the first week 
I definitely need to get, you know, some extra nickels. Like, do not be shortchanging me at all. Again, the value of black education, non-white students. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I do. Th- I do see the value. I'll put it that way. I see the value of the sort of mentality. Hey, I'm here. I'm going to be paid regardless. So I'm not going to get an attitude. You want us to do, you know, rework the schedule. You want us to clean out the cubbies. You want me to sit, help some of them do their reading. You want me to sit with the little child who's sleepy or whatever. Hey, I'm on the clock. Whatever. I get paid regardless. I see the value uh, of that because it, it, hey, we've seen some of these racists, some of their sadism is they love the disruption. They don't want things to be organized, set so that the students have a routine, have expectations about what's going to happen on a daily basis. They don't even want the staff to do that. Start developing a rapport and they're bonding with it. No, 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 no. Let's disrupt that totally. So I see the value in not, you know, having attachments. That's part of why I say, hey, it's not my desk. It's not even my schedule. <laughs> you know, you you let me know what we're going to do. I'm going to get paid regardless. And let's get to it. I also see the value as well. I think she had said that before. And, hey, they do all this yelling since it seems to be so much of it. I guess you would have to de- develop a code. They're so uncouth, savage. Uh, and hey, they're on all the yelling. I'm not going to out yell you. I might even get quiet there, not say anything. Let them do all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they just ask, why are you yelling? Yelling? I'm not yelling. <laughs> she asked the wife, am I yelling? Of course not. You're not yelling that. Negros lie. <laughs> she said, but she changed her, her tone from that point on. All right. For the rest of the day, <laughs> like, well, you're going to get over there right now. That can be a question. Maybe that's one we can think about. The other people that they work with really toxic, savage co-workers who yell and scream and are totally unprofessional. You don't out yell them. Don't say anything at all. Then when they want you to speak, you can ask, why uh, are you yelling? Calmly, too. Like, I'm cute. Maybe, you know, there's a hearing problem. Maybe. I don't know. Let's see. Let, let's see. Maybe we'll get a good explanation. Maybe they'll say do the same thing. Say that they're not yelling and then lower their volume by about five octaves, which is great. No need for us to yell. Much obliged, Bay Area Ma, master's degree. See if you can minimize some of the contact with these sort of tacky uh, race soldiers and even she said the Filipina uh, instructor who was you know <laughs> yelling and all the rest of it like I'd want to minimize contact with as much craziness as possible and increase my compensation for all of this so get that masters after you have fun with the nails uh, context of white supremacy let me see if I can get an email really quick and then we'll nab our other callers uh, one of the folks who wrote in with an email 
boom. Okay. Uh, female victim of racism. Uh, she this is she has a white supervisor, white female supervisor, and then she has a uh, non-white female subordinate, black female so-called. She writes in, uh, COVID rates are rising where I live. I went into the office for one day this week and so received an email notification from HR a few days later informing me that someone tested positive on the floor I was, although not sitting in my location. I wasn't in the office for the whole day and wore a mask. Bravo. So not overly concerned, although public transport was overcrowded. So one reason for the increase in the infection rate. I usually try to do a later start to avoid this, but had to be in the office early that day. Hmm. They talked about that with the flights to try to leave earlier uh, where it's less crowded in some places. Now, I don't know what that is here. Early would be would have to be like before 6 a.m. in some parts like San Francisco was like man it's even worse there I think early would have to be like before 5 a.m. for the Bay Area Jesus Uh, continuing I mentioned last week that non-white black female who allegedly reports to me said that her former racist manager thinks she's bubbly whatever that means I have a feeling the racist suspect male doesn't think very much of the non-white black female and I doubt he would describe her as bubbly. I suspect it's much more contemptuous if he thinks anything at all. That's the vibe I get from him about all non-white people. The non-white black female told me once that she is quite giggly so I think it's part of the persona she has acquired during the time she has worked for the organization. Incidentally, I've seen like a lot of that where non-white people uh, just giggle and laugh. And that's like, as she said, like the persona that we will take on because that'll be like uh, what we think is our defense mechanism from white people if I can just keep them laughing, keep them entertained, I'm not upset, I'm not angry, I'm smiling and laughing and giggling and just giggle about everything. Now, I mean, that doesn't mean that you never, you know, have to laugh at all in the workplace, but it should not be, oh, could you turn on the lights? <laughs> oh, could you turn it back off? <laughs> oh, it's warm. <laughs> I mean, none of that is funny. Why do you have to laugh for all of that? And I think that's when you don't understand racism, white supremacy, but you understand you're in a dangerous situation that white people can do a lot of harm. They're way more powerful than I am. So what I'll try to do stay in their good graces. I'll just, I'm laughing. I'll keep them laughing. I'm not angry. Hopefully they aren't angry and we'll just stay laughing and having a grand old time that is not bubbly Uh, like I said if anything I would want people what's the word that you are going to use if you're going to use one word to describe Gus and you're talking to my colleagues that I work with white people or even non-white people I would want them to say serious competent professional 
any of those three is exponentially better than bubbly whatever that means person who is the CEO of the company gets described as serious competent professional unless you're trying to be the janitor or what have you then yes you want to be bubbly working at the uh, what is it the bunny ranch continuing uh, this week another of her former managers died white male she was apparently very affected by this so much so that Carrie had to give her a few hours out to compose herself I was on leave that day this non-white black female was still coming to terms with the news the following day arranging lunches with former colleagues to console each other my racist manager also brought the matter of the non-white female's demeanor due to the death of her former manager yes she is still meeting with the non-white female even though these meetings were due to end months ago apparently the deceased racist suspect male would tell the non-white female to oh man good <laughs> that's two days in a row the most potty mouth program ever uh Apparently, the deceased racist suspect male would tell the non-white female to fuck off when joking around. She thinks this was a demonstration of their strong relationship. I do not believe she is suggesting anything sexual in any of her relationships with the various racist suspects personally I just think they do not take her seriously but she is not understanding this so sad uh, this re reminded me Mr. Fuller where he says many of us see but don't see what we're looking at fail to see what what we're looking at many of us look but don't see see what what we're looking at that's it anyway uh, just we basically accept anything if they're not calling us nigra, wow. This is the greatest, coolest, well-meaningest white person ever. And you could be talking to Peyton Gendron. He is so cool. I'm just going to give him my keys. You go get yourself a snack. Wow. He just told me to F off, but he's just messing. That's just how we mess around. He's just joking around. That Ted is just a funny guy. I mean, the same thing I just said before. You put that with, turn the light on. <laughs> F off. <laughs> with, what's the punchline? Just being rude and nasty and surly to somebody not oh great to see you and I, you did a great job on that report this morning fantastic I always enjoy working with you you're so competent and punctual always great that would be something wow that Ted is a no I know he's my dude because he always tells me to F off when he's messing around I know he's having a great day when he tells me to F off Black self-respect annihilated. And even that same thing I said yesterday, even a phrase like that, like, no, we don't see you as serious. 
and like oh I hope there's no you know petting and feeling because I mean if we don't see you as serious you know hey same thing that I said before today is this tomorrow who knows see how much you know we can get away with as they say continuing I've got I've come to realize she needs a lot of attention and is happy to spend her days gossiping about people and her personal affairs she lacks discretion I know far too much about her family situation and her health even if I am her manager her doctor has advised her several times to lose weight which she does not appear to be taking seriously enough her blood pressure keeps fluctuating so her doctor gave her a blood pressure device to monitor her for 24 hours it's not hypertension (laughs) but she will let me know more next week I'd rather not have all that detail but I'm sure there will be some kind of complaint if I don't show interest that is absurd like I don't care if this is your black brother and all that man it would have to be like call her in Florida who works with his mom or something like that like are you serious T-M-I I'm not your fa- does your mom know all these details like for real for real for why are you telling me all of this you don't have to say all that but I mean nobody should be going into this much detail with somebody that you were I wouldn't care if you've been working together for 20 years that is absurd jeez uh, let's see and incidentally that racism white supremacy so many of us victims not eating correctly the stress of racism white supremacy so many different not resting correctly so many different factors we end up being stressed and having either way too much weight or even being underweight widespread problem take advantage get outside enjoy some of the warm weather this summer get that water get some fresh fruit again go to the farmers market get some fresh fruits put that soda pop down Uh, continuing Uh, the caller from Louisiana suggested the non-white female and Carrie are both manipulative and I agree 100% I think they find many reasons to avoid doing any real work Carrie is even dumber and I feel I should be offended by the fact she is getting paid the same wage as me this week she arranged a meeting for the two of us to introduce ourselves to a new member of the team I was I was so irritated as I'm capable of arranging my own meetings I'm sure she was using me as a shield on introducing herself she stated that she joined the team at the beginning of June I was so shocked I stepped off code and corrected her letting her know she joined the team at the beginning of April she then said her brain is a bit woolly and blamed it on menopause I strongly believe she was no clear at the age of 25 how do you get that wrong her brain is a bit woolly those woolly minded people Uh, I've also been monitoring my manager's use of emojis and grammar which is very revealing she likes to correct me and give the impression she's joking 
using the emoji of someone sticking out their tongue. Once I made the mistake of typing the non-white female's name using a lowercase letter for the first letter in the team chat. Within minutes, my manager had typed a message to me spelling my name incorrectly using a lowercase letter for my first name. This was back in March or April. She consistently spells my name in this way even when typing multiple people's names correctly in the same correspondence. I find it fascinating. Thanks for the platform. Now we said, uh, or we had some listeners who said that they were interested in studying this. Uh, the way that white people use memes, emojis, and things of that nature uh, to convey racism, and especially in a workplace setting, lots of that sort of thing, uh, even right here. Uh, and even the use of these chats, because uh, I think that's become more popular, especially over the last two years. Uh, but yeah, that kind of passive aggressive uh, emoji use and then uh, deliberately misspelling your name couldn't just be a, a, a misclick or, or what have you she immediately oh no you didn't you didn't do her name correctly like she cares about this you know black female that much uh, that is fascinating on so many points um, wow the uh, even the correction I was looking at the white woman saying that she started at the beginning of June and she actually started at the beginning of April. I don't know if she's that lazy and all. Maybe she wants to give the impression that she's only been there a few days. So she's still kind of learning and figuring things out. And then Willie mine did. I don't know if that was in the word guide either, but I recommend that we not use it. And I would write that one down. Anytime someone uses such a curious phrase around you, Willie mine did. Jesus had hair like wool. She means she was Jesus, man. Like, I, yeah. Anyway, seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Can I be heard? Z's mom? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, greetings. So, um, I wanted to give some updates and also talk about a couple of new things that have been, have been occurring. So, the first thing I wanted to talk about was, so I've been applying for more um, jobs in my field, and I got a to the um, third interview, and this job is across the um, the country, so I had to, they're going to fly me in and, you know, like, pay for my flight and whatnot. So, on June 20th, I got, in, I was in contact with the person from HR about the flight information, and I gave her the dates that I would be available, because I'm still teaching summer school. So I did not hear back from her, even though I emailed her, uh, I think, I, I emailed her two times. I emailed her two times 
um, I didn't hear back from her until June 28th. My um, interview, oh, actually June 27th. My interview is on June 29th, and I would be flying in on the 28th. So she hadn't given me any flight information until June 27th, and she gave me only two options. She said, you can fly out on the 28th at um, 8.30 a.m. or 9.40 a.m. Those were the only two options. Mind you, I'm still teaching summer school, and it was actually my last day because I had taken the other two days off to um, do this interview. So I called her and I told her, I I don't feel comfortable taking another day off. I, I have an obligation to my students and to, like, mostly to my students because they can find another person to substitute teach for me. But I, you know, I want to close out, have a last day with them and also just clean up um, because it's not my classroom and whatnot. And so there was, like, a back and forth for a while, and I had to tell her, oh, can I talk to the – I'm going to forward this email to the other HR person who um, is in charge of my actual interview day to reschedule my interview. So I finally got in touch with that person the next day. So I still don't know what's going on, Um because I'm not sure if I still have an interview or not. So I had to actually reach out to the person again because they didn't respond to my first email. They responded to me text messaging them because I didn't want to call because I just wanted it documented that I was not the reason why the interview changed. The interview changed because I was not given enough um preparation for my flight and so I finally got in contact with the second HR person and they did move my flight to next week which is um, better because that was kind of a stressful situation but I I really the reason why the person didn't contact me for nine days was because they were on vacation I don't know why they didn't give my information to someone else so that they could work on it while they were on vacation or tell me that they were going to be on vacation or even have, like most people have a forwarding so that when you email them while they're on vacation, it says, I'm on vacation, I'll be back this day. I wasn't given any of that, so I didn't know why I hadn't been responded to in nine days. So it's been very interesting and it tells me a lot already about the company, and it's all things that I'm just taking uh, mental notes of. And then the second thing that I wanted to bring up was that I did finish summer school, so I was able to get a new room because I don't uh, know if you remember, but I had roaches in my room. And it got, I mean, every morning I was finding new dead roaches, and then um, I kind of, I just went up to the um, the admin person. Her name is Selena, 
And I told her, you know, I, I, I'm having, I didn't even tell her anything. I just told her, can I have a new room? Because there are too many roaches in my room. She was pretty sympathetic, and she went to the other admin person who was not, and who kept kind of giving me the runaround, or I don't want to use that term, who kept, who kept kind of trying to evade my request. She was consistently saying, oh, well, you know, we don't really have any rooms. I'm not sure. And my, this is summer school, so there's about maybe 50 kids, 50 students, on a regular school, there's probably 300 to 400 students. So there's most likely empty rooms. And um, event, I just kind of stood there, and I didn't really respond or say much. I just looked at them, talked to each other, knowing that there's rooms, waiting for someone to just be honest that, you know, there's an available room for me. Eventually, they had to call the custodian and ask the custodian, are there any available rooms for uh, me to move into? And the custodian said, yeah, that's no problem. I can move her stuff, and I can um, get a room ready for her. And then a the student counselor came in, and this has nothing to do with her, but she came into the room. She said, um, oh, I have roaches all the time, you know. It's not a big deal for me. Maybe I'm just different. I'm just built different. All I, all you have to do is make sure that your purse and your stuff is on the floor because these classrooms are old, and that's just how it is. But the, not all the classrooms are old. The classroom that I got when I talked to the custodian person, because he told me, the, the two classrooms, my classroom and the one right next to mine, have the worst roach issue, and they're in this specific building because there's three different buildings in the school. He said the other buildings are renovated, so they don't have this issue. So when this um, counselor person is telling me this, I already know she's lying because I know that there are newer buildings that are unoccupied. But instead of trying to tell her anything, I just, again, talk, looked at the admin person and was waiting for a response. And eventually uh, the counselor person, I think, gave up trying to convince me to stay in my room. I think she felt like, oh, why, why would you, a black female, get a better room, but I don't get a better room? I think that's what she was thinking, but she was trying to say it in other ways. And so... Eventually, I got the room, um, but this room, something that I noticed was, the first thing I noticed was that when I got the room, the second day, they had not told the, the night custodian, because there's a day and a night custodian. They had not told the night custodian that I had a new room. So the room, when I first got there the first day, was very, very dirty. I, it took me over an hour to sweep the room. Um, and so when I got back the next day, I noticed that the trash hadn't been taken out and the room looked exactly how I left it, which was not dirty, but it definitely required a custodian to clean it. And I had to actually find the custodian, the night custodian, and I told him, oh, um, 
I don't know if you know, but I changed rooms. He is a white male, makes me incredibly uncomfortable, his demeanor and the way that he tries to speak to me. He said, oh, you got a new room? Why did you get a new room? And the students are in the class. So the students are about to tell him, oh, there's roaches. But I just turn to the students and I I um, do a hand signal. It's like a waterfall. And they know to um, basically be quiet and go back to their work. So I did that hand signal and they went back to their work because I was not trying to divulge any information to him. And so he was like just kept bad or bothering me about the room situation and why I got the room. And eventually um, he left. Then when the students had PE, I was alone. He came into the room again um, trying to take out the trash. And he came up to me and was like, oh, so it's, it's interesting that you got a new room. He said, um, have you been working at this school district for a long time? Or how long have you been working at this school district? Um, my, I'm in a meeting right now while he's saying this. And he knows I'm in a meeting. And that was my fault for even talking to him because I shouldn't have responded to his questions. But I told him, um, oh, I've been, I have, I just said, like, I've been working at this district for a while. He said, um, oh, what other schools have you worked at? So I told him the other school that I worked at. This school has a black female um, principal, and I, I, from the schools that I've worked at, I've worked at about 10 or 15. It's one of the better ones. He comes up to me, very, very close to me, and says, oh, that school, that school is so ghetto. Like, he paused before he said ghetto to make sure that he enunciated the word very well. And then he just stopped to look at me for me to respond. But I didn't respond. I just looked at him with a blank face and then turned back to my meeting. And he eventually walked away. He's very, makes me very uncomfortable. He's often slurring his words. I often see him just sitting around watching everyone, not actually working. I'm not the, I'm not the type of person to wonder why someone's not working or working, but he just seems to always be trying to follow people or get in their business. So that made me very uncomfortable. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say was, so there's two custodians. There's the night custodian and the day custodian. The day custodian is the one who helped me to get the room. But I noticed that there's a, um, a tree in front of my building, and there's three other classrooms. That tree produces a lot of flowers to the point where you can't even really walk into my room because there's flowers all over the floor and they come into the room, so I'm constantly having to sweep them. And I noticed that in the morning, because I come a little bit like before, I noticed that he blows the leaf blower and blows all the flowers to my door and then doesn't blow them farther. So it's, And then one of the teachers asked me, he said, I noticed the custodian blows, your, blows the leaves, but he doesn't do your door. 
He said, all of the leaves accumulate at your door. I said, I noticed the same thing, too. I'm glad that you noticed. And so I asked the front office about it, and they said that they would talk to him about it. But there was only one day out of that month that I – or I guess I I had that room for about two weeks that there wasn't any flowers. There was always flowers in front of the door that made it impossible for me and my students to get in without bringing in a lot of dirt and getting the flowers all over me. The first time I even got into that room, I I was walking into the room. He was blowing the leaf blower. I looked at him. He looked at me, and he blew the leaf blower in my direction, getting the flowers on me. And so I don't know if this is some sort of – retaliation or annoyance about me moving the room but there's some sort of reason but either way I'm not working at that school again at least for the foreseeable future so I don't have to think about that um that was mostly what I wanted to say besides that I had a uh I felt like I had a constructive time with the students um the other thing I wanted to say was the principal never came into the classroom. No one ever came into the classroom to check on the students or anything, which I found to be kind of concerning because I'm not a credential teacher. I'm a substitute teacher, but I was given a, a class. But I didn't have anyone who ever came in and checked. So I just think it's interesting for anyone who is a parent, just be sure that the person who's actually teaching your class is even a credentialed teacher and make sure that they're um, keeping up with you with what the curriculum is because they didn't really give me much of a curriculum and they never checked up on me. Luckily, I care enough that I made my own curriculum and did that by myself. Um, Sorry for being so lengthy. Um, That's what I wanted to update on. Thank you. Hmm. Much, uh uh-oh, did I get in there? Much obliged, Z's mom. Uh-oh, not, am I hooked in? Make sure I'm in. Yikes. Yikes. Mr. Three, let's see. What's going on? Ow. What's going on there? What's going on there? Am I, can you all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, oh okay. Oh, okay, awesome, awesome. Um Two quick things. One, uh, those leaf blowers are the most toxic thing in the history of everything. Why is it not? That's so odd. I don't understand that. Those leaf blowers are horrible. Um, They are, I mean, just pollution on top of uh, pollution. Um, I don't know if that's in... A terrible thing to waste but they're bad on so many levels and I mean they are like one of the worst polluting instruments in the world um, it's the gas in them uh, it, the way that it's burned like that's one and then the blow even him blowing all the leaves at your feet when you like enter the building or whatever it is when you're going into the uh, into the classroom, even that 
like it uh, when they have those leaf blowers, it blows everything. So that's a lot of times like they did studies on this. Like I can send you reports. They have uh, detailed reports on how horrible these are for the environment. This is a part of it. So that when you blow all that stuff, it's dog feces, other toxins, uh, Roundup, all of that other debris, oil runoff from vehicles and everything else, plastic galore, all of that is blown into the air when they do it. So it's horrible for the per- for him, uh, the race soldier that's blowing, and it's horrible for everybody that's around. And the no, I mean, they're horrible, 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 horrible. Like one of the worst uh, inventions, period. And so then him blow. I mean, that's like quadruple whammy to come now. I'm gonna make sure I blow it. Make sure I give her a good blast of poison. Uh, if you had that situation to do over again with uh, the race soldier coming into the classroom, I think you said you were on a meeting and asking you all of these questions, how would you, how would you approach it if you had it to do over again? I think I would have just said, excuse me, sir, I'm in a meeting, and put on my headphones and turn my head um oh and also the for the leaf blower he blew it in my face so i actually had it in my hair and the kid the students had to help me get it out of my hair so what a terrorist i mean all of that is just total deliberate white terrorism uh i didn't know that about the leaf blowers until very, very uh, recently, uh, but white terrorism at its worst. Um, geez, I'm sorry you had to. And in front of the church, see that? See the same pattern? And he is the flipping custodian race soldier or whatever. We're not talking about the superintendent or the principal, like, you know, this is the white man who is running the school or what have you. In front of the students, pow! This is what we think of the Negras. Uh, even to go all the way back to the beginning with this one, getting out of this environment, thank goodness, she says they offer her two flight times, 8.30 a.m., 9.40, that's it. <laughs> Wait a minute, like, I teach like I have to get another day off of class and, you know, I've made a commitment to these students and, you know, there has to be some more flexibility. Like if I got to think of, I got to fly, like it's not like this is a 10 minute drive or a five minute walk down the street. If I got to fly out, like, you know, can we work things out a little better? No response, no nothing. And then to find out that one of the people in HR who's doing all the, the contacting here, she goes on vacation. She's, part of the people who clogged up the airports this weekend. No, that's exactly what she said, Z's mom. Uh, I mean, hey, it's 2022. It's almost 2025, really. Uh, it is old news. Set your email up, forward, somebody contacts you, hey, out of the office, kicking it in, you know, Tahiti or whatever, kicking it in Cancun, flying and in Florida, be back in nine days. You know, contact, you know, Susan if you need something in the interim. 
Very simple. Takes like 30 seconds to set up. Really, really easy. Do the same thing on your voicemail uh, on the phone. Make sure this sort of thing doesn't happen. Total disregard for non-white people. Wacky. Oh, what I, I just said, I just said, I just said, uh, the uh, enforcement officers, I just said, I had just seen them at the beach and there they were again. I think that's like the quickest. Yet I used the same line. She just said, I'm on the phone. It's like, oh, sorry. And that was that. Wow. Who knew? I guess that only works if you're at the beach to say that you're on the phone. Anyway, um, the race soldier, not the principal, can come and terrorize teacher in front of the students to all that. She's going to go and get this other job, and they give her really limited time options in terms of when she can actually fly. That's, you know... I, th- I commend you for having the black self-respect to step in and say, hey, this is not going to work. I'm not going to be able to take off another day from school or, you know, whatever. My commitment to these uh, children, we're going to have to figure out another day. And even uh, accepting, because I think with that sort of thing, being honest with yourself that, hey, they might say, ah, this nigger is too much trouble. We don't want her uh, we'll, you know, give somebody else. We'll, we'll pick out one of our other clients or what have you um, to accept that. Because she said, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I still got an interview or what have you, because the race soldiers do that sometimes. Having the self-respect to still make that decision, if that's I value, I made this investment in these children, this means something to me, I'm dedicated about that, and or whatever it is, even if it wasn't you know, a classroom situation, whatever the situation is, like, hey, if this means – I'm not going to get this job or I'm not going to get this interview opportunity. That's what it means. Turns out, hey, we do want her. We'll figure it out. And I mean, hey, if they really want you as a client, even if they don't, like this is not asking for something that is over and above uh, in terms of can we just pick uh, can I get more than these two options <laughs> for the interview time? Like I've, I've heard many other people who have given, you know, reasons that would substantially uh, less reasonable than that, and they were accommodated. We even had my man in Florida, he talked about the uh, lady, she did her interview uh, while she was getting a pedicure. That's not, you know, hey, I got a commitment to my children. Hey, I have got a commitment to showing off my toes. It's summertime wearing these open-toe shoes. That's what I got a commitment to, open-toe shoes. Now, let's get on with the interview. (laughs) Come on. Bravo for getting the interview time moved. The, uh, <clears throat> now, back to the classroom situation that we're getting out of. Uh, the roaches and the, like, total disregard for non-white students, non-white educators, in my opinion, like, come on. <laughs> you, we're in a school, it's summertime, right? It's not like we're at full capacity where you have 1,000 students or whatever it normally is. I think it's like 400, 500 students, whatever it normally is. It's 40 of us here. It's lots of space. Do we have to be in the room that has the worst vermin problem? <laughs> like what in the, that's the sort of thing where I'm like, now, really? So what white people do you think are ignorant about racism? The janitor? 
How about the people who did the assignments for the rooms who just happened to put the Negra teacher in the room with the worst infestation problem? In a school with apparently lots of empty rooms. They could do echo, 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 right? They got lots of space. And we just happened to end up here. Then when I go out to kindly, maybe, maybe our students might do a little better this summer if we could get a room where we didn't have to fight off the roaches, maybe. And she, he, she said the, uh, the counselor, white woman, comes back and says, what? I, I must be built different. I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me. You just don't put your, your purse on the floor and, you know, don't sit things out on it. You don't always complain about a roach or two. My goodness, what's wrong with you? What does that even mean? Now, that's what I mean about those metaphors. What does that even mean? I think she says these moms, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a nigger. I'm, I'm supposed to be accustomed to roaches. These are my cousins, right? I'm all right with the roaches. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. Black self-respect as well for... Not going into a whole lot of excuses and not even going back and forth with this white woman. You know, I must be built different because I don't even think it's a problem. I'm surprised that you're making a fuss about a few roaches here and there. So are there empty classrooms available for the rooms? Is it possible for us to get? <laughs> Just keep it, keep it moving. I don't even think this war is 2022. Like, it's embarrassing that we're having this discussion at all. It's embarrassing that there's a room, period where the children have to fight off roaches. Anywho, uh, the fella comes in alone. That one, too. I would be really mindful. Like, that is super suspect uh, where really anybody, but especially like Gift of Fear, Gavin DeBecker, someone where you get some sort of sense that there's something not quite right about this person. Like, they're coming around, they're asking these invasive questions. Uh, like, where did you teach at before? Oh, really? Why did you all move? Really? Mm-hmm. Even that. You don't need to know where else I've taught at, like, to go, because now it's 2012. Like, you got some people, they're really good. They can get online, and you'd be surprised what kind of information they can get and end up with your home information or anything. Like, you're the janitor. You do not need to know my resume. Thank you, sir. Ian, I don't even need to add, like she said, pardon me, sir, I'm in a meeting. And then I would make sure I'm not going to be alone with you ever again. Like if I have to get up and go stand in the doorway, in the hallway, whatever it is, but you and I are not going to be alone together. She said he got all really close to her, too, and he came, and, oh, that's where you were that that school is. Get oh, that sort of thing, too. Got to put the emphasis on, mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say. That, to me, also, that feels like the type of setup gets you to say something, gets you into a response type of thing. Anywho, uh... Yeah, and then the leaf blower, the leaf man, like even the fact that some of the other educators 
notice that, that this is not you because so many times they gaslight us and they undermine our confidence. Like, man, Well, I guess it's pretty hard if they get the leaf lower and blast you in the face. I guess you can't really ignore that. But at least, the, like she said, like everybody else, oh, okay, we come around and boom, 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 spray the toxins or whatever, but they at least get the leaves up. Not Z's mom, no way. Here, we come and just pop. Matter of fact, probably get all the leaves from the complex and just leave a life, nice big mountain right in front of her door. And then the extra one, I see her, I'm like, pow, get her a blast. Take that toxin with you to start your day. Total kidnapping. Ima- I want you to imagine in your wildest, most intoxicated July 4th dream that you can come up with. Fentanyl, Jack Daniels, anything you can concoct. Can you imagine the black O.J. Simpson? I'm a school janitor. White female teacher. And I come blast her with the leaf blower. What world do I still have a job? And I pile the leaves up in front of her daily before all. And then and then come in the classroom where it's just up, just us and get all close. Really? Where did you used to work at? Hmm. Hmm. That's the salty part of town. I don't even what the white part of town would be, but whatever, the salty part of town. Mm. <laughs> like, what What world am I still employed? If not arrested, castrated? Come on. Context of whites. But the janitor, I can't say that enough, the janitor. She didn't say the principal. She didn't say the superintendent. She didn't say another teacher. She didn't even say, like, the guidance counselor, the cafeteria cook, the custodial worker. Mm -hmm. Neely Fuller, he's talking about that place's ghetto. Fuller say, where is the ghetto? You are the ghetto. If you are subject to racism, white supremacy, ghetto indeed. Seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see other folks with a hand up. Caller in Florida. Caller in Ohio should be with us also. Can I get in here? Caller in Ohio? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I want to uh, just make a, maybe a suggestion to the uh, young woman who was just on the phone about uh, the janitor asking questions about why she was moved to another room. Uh, when I heard what you explained of the events that occurred, in my opinion, uh, I think he might have something to do with those roaches being there. Uh, he sounds like a very um, creepy type of individual. I can't think of a better word right now. 
But uh, it seems like the type of creepy individual to do things like that, to go and plant insects in the in the room of a black person and then uh, act like they don't know what's going on. Because, I mean, what value does it add in his life to know why you got moved from the room you're in to the room you're at now? To have that type of interest, in my opinion, it says he has something to do with it. That's just my opinion. Um, the you made a statement about the use of emojis on the um as you say listener who writes in uh there's a field of study in artificial intelligence about the application of emojis because they are a way of communication you know so uh they like to study it to figure out what's really being conveyed with emojis because before you might have to say like the actual thing you want to go do, but if you use emojis to convey uh, the, the events you want to see happen, it's kind of hard to, you know, track that as easy as it is with words. So I would say for uh, you guys to look at how uh, emojis and AI and the study of emojis through the use of artificial intelligence that's going to develop out to be pretty big. Um, to that, the person who writes in, I got a question for you is uh it seems like you guys do a lot of uh conferences on uh those messaging apps do you actually uh screen capture those things because i remember in one um of the letters the email she sent she stated they're only around for roughly 30 days so anything that was discussed would be you know deleted after that period of time. So my question to them is, are you actually screen capturing and recording those events? Not just screen capture, but actual recording the whole chat log or the, the whole conversation. Because if you're doing it on a laptop and even on a lot of mobile devices, that's pretty common to be able to capture a whole conversation, not only in audio, but in video form. So that's why I say screen capture. Um, that's, that's something that I suggest because that's another way of keeping records. And I, I think that those who uh, know about technology, particularly if you're at certain levels of management, I think they teach you about the application of it um, and how it can be used uh, in a positive way and how it can be used against you. So I would advise her or that person, because I don't know if it's he or she, uh, to utilize screen capture technology with all the communication and store it on something that is specifically yours that they can't touch because if you're using their devices, they can wipe it very easily without you even knowing. So that's my suggestion. Um, one last thing, uh, a little, it's not workplace. I guess uh, it's more of a business matter, but if you get a chance, Gus, you should check out uh, what's been going on in Black Tech Twitter in particular, in the invest, investor area. Um, so for the last about year or so, there's been a lot of um, talk about having more black venture capitalists and venture capital-based firms being uh, run by... Hold on a second, walking down the street, people busting out fireworks. Um, being run by black people. And what's been very interesting is uh, quite a few of the people who have tech ideals 
end up having to do is called pitching investors. So you pretty much put together like a, uh, uh, what's called a, a pitch deck, which is pretty much you laying out what your company does, your experience, blah, blah, blah. Now, I hate these blah, 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 but it's just other things you want to include in there, right? And one of the things that's been happening, because somebody created some type of technology where, I forget if it's DocuSign or who it was, but it went from you just sending the pitch deck and maybe never hearing from the investor or not knowing anything about what's happening or how much the investor viewed it to now you can actually view the stats. So when did the investor or potential investor open the pitch deck? Which slides did they read? How long did they stand those slides? And a whole lot of black folks are starting to find out just how racist these white wealthy investors are. There's been an uptick in these people now coming out who are black, classified as black, saying, wow, you know, my, the, the investor was looking at the deck seriously until it got to the slide with my picture on it. And then all of a sudden, they looked at that slide for the shortest period of time and then clicked off. So if you get a chance, you should, you should check it out. I, I might tag you on some of the posts. And what really got me was the fact that on one of them, the last one, it was a, a black guy. And it's a pretty slick idea he has. I think it's, it's very workable. But what he was saying is he stated that, that, hey, they looked at all the decks, and then as soon as they got up to my picture, they clicked off. And you should see all the comments of white people coming in there covering for racism. Oh, that might not be what it is. And, you know, you might want to rearrange your, your pitch deck and put this part of it first. And people will tell them, like, I've done that multiple times. I've adjusted all the slides around, and I keep getting the same result when they get to the, you know, pick the, the uh, part of the deck that has my picture. And it's just interesting to see how many of these white folks, who, who themselves aren't even investors, by the way, just regular white folks come in there, chiming in, trying to give like, oh, oh, don't look at it that way. Don't let hate win. You know, you got to focus on growing as a person. So I think it'd be interesting for y'all to check it out, because even though you do have a little bit more, uh, I guess I'd say movement you can make, meaning that you're not stuck having to try to deal with one investor as a black person, as opposed to when you work, you're stuck with dealing with one company. But all that happens is you just got to deal with a lot more racist white people who have a lot more money. And uh, with that, I'll mute my line. Brother say, don't let hate win. Yes. 2022 don't let hate win no idea what that means or growing as a person no idea what that see they just pile them up on you when they come in with it's not racism you just need to grow as a person it's not racism you need to just switch and he, see he said it was regular old Joe Schmo white person they're not investors what do you know are you an expert? Have you done a portfolio before? Nah, but I know it's not racism. Mm-hmm. That also standard operating procedure. Now that right there, hey, uh, we I think, what was that? Within the last 10 days or so, somebody dialed in and they said they were talking with their friends or whatever and black people, I guess. And they said uh, that 
they would just say, and you know, it's not really this racism thing. I'm not on all that. I just want to make some money. You know, that's what it is. Just need to make some money. It's a money problem. It's really just about that green and just can make some money. Things will be straight. So, you know, I wouldn't debate them. You know, obviously I have a different conclusion, but I would ask like, how much money do you think you'll need for racism to never be a problem again for you? Because it seems like that would have to be an astronomical figure if it exists at all. And he said these folks, they put these projects together. And I'm sure many of these folks probably have some spectacular ideas. I know they do. Put their time, energy together. Got my pitch. Got my proposal. Boom, boom. Got great photos. Everything. Ideas great. Bam. They get to the picture. Black. Get back. heard that before all over the world in fact all areas of people activity now that is mighty deflating you do all that he said people change the deck around okay so I put it my my picture was I don't know 50th in the slide now it'll be 20th now it'll be you know I move it make it 70th you know make it at the very very end so they see everything so they can be really wowed by the project and then oh it just happens a nigger did it no big deal (laughs) nope doesn't matter they get to that spot to say is that yeah I'm good okay system of white supremacy racism trumps everything then go through all of that and have some idiot and I'm in this context someone they're not even an expert in fact this isn't even their field. They work, you know, at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I'm not not disparaging anyone who makes donuts, but I mean, really, you make pastries for a living. How are you going to tell me about the best way to organize your pitch for a venture capitalist? Like, really? If I was talking about confections, then maybe I'd, you know, hear you out. But I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's not racism. Hmm. Hmm. Disgraceful, man. Disgraceful. Much obliged. I will. I will check it out. Uh, just further ammunition uh, in terms of what the problem is, and making sure that we are not confused about that, so that you know these type of things happen. Just further reinforcement, further evidence. This is the problem that we have to correct before we can get anything else taken care of. And in fact, taking care of this problem. <sighs> might solve a lot of other problems too just maybe let's see other folks who dialed in uh, if we missed you totally if you have a hand up line should be open may I be heard caller in Florida yes sir yes sir thank you very much sir greetings to Gus the host the listeners and callers uh, I would like to share some reports from the last couple of weeks, actually. Uh, just really quick. Um, there was uh, some anti-blackness in the black misandry where, and this has happened before where, because uh, I work with majority females in general, mostly white females. So, uh, another black male 
older black male uh, walks through the area, and as he's leaving, you know, he says, man, that's a huge thing on the carpet. And then one of them, one of the uh, coworkers, she said, yeah, it's been there for months, and they haven't done anything about it. So he... <laughs> He lo- he looks at me for about like five or six seconds, and I and I just knew it. I knew something non-constructive was going to come out, and he said, "Oh well, he did it." You know, he said my name, and then I just asked the question. So the black person did it, and then everybody just turned around and looked at me, um, and he was like, "Like, what do you mean the black person?" I said, "Me." So. Are you saying the black person did it? And he said, "Well, you know, you're. I'm saying this to you because you're a guy. You're you're a male, and uh, she's black. So, and then before he could finish, the black female says, uh, just just go, just leave. Don't even say nothing.' So, <laughs> uh, he never really answered the question necessarily, um, but." The reason I'm saying that is, is that is that one of them tropes, right? Um, where the black person, the black guy, but he said, because I'm a guy, you know, I'm the only male employee uh, in the area. So I guess that makes me responsible for a large stain on the carpet away from where I'm assigned, away from the desk that I've been assigned. It's more so close to where they are but I was blamed for it and by another black male. So that's the first one. Um, the second is once again, the, another, uh, victim of racism sharing her, uh, DCF, uh, type of court case going on. And I, I've just taken on a code to really not speak on it because I think it wouldn't be constructive, but she's sharing, this with coworkers, most uh, for the most part, two white women, and it's it's just um, kind of it's just really inappropriate. And once again, she she did that threat where she says, "I know it's not something. Is I know God doesn't." like wishing death on people, but if he gave me one chance, then it would be him. The father, what she likes to say, DNA, that's the term, biological, right? But she said DNA of her son. If I had one chance, then it would be him. Um, You know, so contempt shown in talking to white people. And, and, And one other thing she said was that if you stick your penis in a child, you are S-H-I-T. So, this, I mean, and she's saying that she's, you know, doing therapy. Um, and I know uh, we're listening to Dr. Wilson, mental health and everything. I thought about that when she brought that up. She says she feels good going to therapy as someone you don't know. And I keep my child in therapy. And they say black men, black men don't like to go to therapy, but mine's gone. Mine's is gone. So I don't know if that was supposed to get a response, but 
a response out of me because the area in which she said it was close to where I was sitting, but I didn't say anything. So, you know, also during that day, she's being very physical, hugging on people, people initiating hugs with her, just kind of tacky in that way, especially she ran up to a white woman that I know from, you know, just from what I heard, showing contempt for her. Uh, she ran up and initiated a hug on her. And I could hear her say, like, you know, oh, okay, like, what are you doing, basically? So it's the, the emotionalism was shown, and it's just, uh, it seems like, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, you know, issues, personal life issues going on there. But I'm just saying that just to say it shouldn't, that shouldn't be done in the workplace like that. I wanted to reiterate that. And I got like three more. I had, I had a, a conversation that, with the white woman supervisor, very, very refined because uh, I pointed out number one, real quick that, Hey, you know, how is it that you get the part out here in the administrative spots? It's only four of them. And then the court staff has all of the rest of them. Like, I think she didn't, she didn't expect me to bring that up. So she, she was so, um, discombobulated that she said it was five spots. I said, no, actually it's four spots. So <laughs> she was like, well, I don't know what this really has to do with the work and the job. I said, you know, all of the, the, the connection, the power that you have, you know? Um, and I said, then you say you texted, you were texting who I call a warden. Uh, whenever there's a spot available, I'm like, no other supervisor, and I named the black female. She doesn't have access to it, so she named another black person. I was like, "But that's not <laughs> that's not the person who I was talking about." So, you know, we went on with the conversation, uh, and she said she's not a supervisor. So, she went on and named another white woman to use an example. I couldn't remember what it was for, and she used the term this is an assistant supervisor. So I said, wait a minute. Now you're saying she's a, an assistant supervisor, but you're not a supervisor. How does that make sense? You know, questions. Aren't you a supervisor as well? But then you say you were a manager. She says, well, it could, it could, it depends. You know, it depends on what you think should be used or something like that. So she, you know, I just try to make sure I'm paying attention. Because she also, because like I said also that I don't disclose, you know, I really think it's constructive to not disclose any personal information. I'm here to get the work done and represent the office the best way I can. Okay. So she went into a question about uh, two of the coworkers on the seg what I call the segregated side where the dark skinned people myself and uh, two other people are, she says, do blank and blank, uh, do they, do they talk a little too much about things? I, I was like, I said, no, I said, I'm saying what I don't do. I said, if you're talking about that, that's going on all over the office. So I think she was trying to, um, as they say, bait me into the, I guess, 
saying something about one of them. Uh, and I had two more. The dress code, I think there's one white woman being very bold um, and arrogant. And she wore a red bandana. And I think this was in response to the the lack of participation coming from the the black employees and practicing racism just in general because it really got me thinking with this morning and I was gonna send you an image, Gus, so you can see it was a department image. Like they took a group picture. Uh so they had arranged I'm thinking they arranged to wear red shirts. So the new black female at the switchboard, she pointed out that, hey, you see how they do us, pointed at the white woman, and she had on a red color shirt, but she was speaking to a black female. And they didn't have on no red shirt. They just had on just, I guess, some kind of blue or whatever the color was, stripes. So I started thinking, and I said, man, on the white side, I went over there, and just about everybody had on some kind of red shirt or tank top. So I'm like, yeah, they had to coordinate that. And I wanted to bring that up because of the unjust networking. And the one of the click members, she came in and said, hey, you know, I told everybody I was going to wear red today on Friday. Um, and I, I think they they organized that together just to also mention that Voltron effect. And my last one is another white woman that's a part of that game. She made a comment about her own child. Uh, She called the child a crack baby. She said, stop acting like a crack baby, you know, and the, the, uh, the white guy she procreated with said, Oh, don't call him that. Oh, you know, I'm not going to call him that in public, just only around us. So, you know, whatever that meant. So, yeah, she was using the term crack baby. And I looked at the two coworkers I worked next to, and they pretty much got quiet. Um, And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Acting like a crack baby myself, fumbling with the mute button. Uh... Let me make sure the caller at five zero seven one. Did you have commentary you wanted to get in before we close out so I don't miss any any folks? Are you just listening? Caller, last four digits five zero seven one. Just listening, or did you have uh, commentary? I did. We can hear you. Proceed. Oh, did you already? Oh, maybe she already got to to share. Maybe I. Uh, maybe she already shared. Make sure we didn't miss anybody. If we already got five zero seven one, I thought didn't think she. Maybe that's uh, Z's mom. I got confused. If that's Z's mom, then we got everybody. Great, great, great. All right. Um, the. Uh, 
the uh, man black person has to be blamed he said the stain on the floor and the black fella came in he said he looked at him he said he didn't think oh man he's gonna say my black brother it's good to see we just had Juneteenth and my brother keep on fighting the good fight the struggle he didn't say he didn't think he was gonna say that I knew it was going to be something non <laughs> My black brother. There's the sound effect at for Juneteenth. My goodness. Oh, there we go. Yes, yes. For the for the stain on the floor and room full of white people who could have been blamed, but black brother. Black brother of hell. Yes, you did it. You did it right there. <laughs> And he stayed in the question lane. I love it. So, so the black person put the blemish on the floor. That's that's. Everyone's not like, oh God, oh there he goes again. Why did you get him started? Ah, oh. he said, no, 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 brother, no, black brother. I'm not saying that. Just you know, you uh, you're the male of the group. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like I'm sure they got the bailiff there, ready to hit the panic button and all that. Like, yes. I stained the floor, of course. Black male privilege again. Uh, let's see the, <clears throat> and then he followed that one up with the, and we'd heard that one before uh, with the the mother who was wishing death on the black father. I mean, hey, I wouldn't care what he did. We got the white woman who her partner was going around slashing throats and things. I mean, he might be holding out on us, uh, caller in Florida. Maybe she, you know, is going around saying that about him all the time. You know, if I could kill one person and get away with it, I'd kill him. Man, you talk about slashing throats and all this embarrassing. Maybe she's walking around saying that, but I haven't heard, you know, any reports like that. I wouldn't care. And even if she is doing that in a system of white supremacy, racism, don't ever, ever think you are special they see the other niggers that way and you are different that is never the case so you sitting there and talking about oh my lame bait where he said the person who gave dna to my son to my child like good lord i mean okay do you want to sit around and talk that way man Racist man, racist. Look at these niggers. Mm, mm, mm. Crack babies and ghetto mothers having all these ghetto queens. That's what it is. The welfare queens having all these children. And look at it. Look at it. That's how she talks about it. That, 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 that's the nigger. That's the nigger. That's what they're thinking. They're not thinking that he is some low life, no count shiftless. They're thinking you all of us all of y'all because it'll be you as the reference point all of y'all are like that that's what they're thinking even your white friend that's what they're thinking that is a horrendous idea even if you work with all non-white I think the uh, young lady she wrote in she just said like I got a black a female subordinate writing in and telling me about her blood pressure problems and all this like TMI some things do not need to be shared in the workplace we've had many examples this evening Uh, let's see not saying anything I think is great for all of that Um, 
well, the question laying with the first one, excellent, but yeah, I'm not going to participate in any of that. I have nothing to say or about the case. None of that. I have nothing to say. Um, the parking segregation that beautiful. Now she said connection to power like, whoa, who do we need a connection to to get the parking situation addressed, to find out who qualifies, what's the protocol, all of that. Who do we need to talk to? What do you mean we don't have a connection? to Where are they at in the building? Can I make office hours to go visit and discuss this? She got all confabulated and confused about the parking. They rotate. I've seen that. They have like uh, employee of the month. That's how they do it in some places. And I have seen where they do have that royalist thing where like, you know, the CEO and maybe the, the vice president or somebody else. It'd be like three, like you said, three or four powerful white people. Sometimes it'll be one powerful white person. They get right up at the front door and then everybody else has the park back at the dumpster uh, or whatever. But just what's the protocol? I've been here for 10 years, been in the newsletter eight times. What's the protocol for getting one of these nice spiffy parking spots? Well, well, I don't know. You know, I don't even know how to do it. I can't even spell. You know, it's, I don't even. What? <laughs> what? You can't even get a. What? And then naming black people that, you know, any conversation where we're talking about a connection of power, you know, this conversation does not end with Leroy, Neely Fuller. Gus T. Get out of here. Naming nigger. You know they didn't pick who get these parking spots. Come on, man. Messing around. Practicing racing. Open parking places like it's something so tacky. Like a, they rotate it some places. You don't get to have the spot for, you know, 10 years. Everybody gets a little dip of, you know, you can park right at the front door for, you know, a few days or whatever. All right, well, they could do that there at the courthouse. What's wrong with that? Be democratic about it. Lowercase d. Uh, let's see. And then she said, get even tackier with an ass. She said, well, are you a supervisor? Well, you know, it, uh, it depends on how you look at it. You know, some, some days they might say I'm a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Might say I'm an employee. <laughs> what? Now, even that, when in a workplace context ever is someone vague about, are you a supervisor? And they give you that sort of response. Well, you know, supervisor's a vague thing, you know. Mm-hmm. All this again, we just talked about the parking. Uh and the bit come on. The bit it does not get any better than tacky, man. Uh <laughs> the red bandana and then they coordinated so that we all wear the red except the niggers. They didn't let the niggers know we're going to wear red on Friday. And even the, the does not get any better than tacky through and through. They could even pick something cool like literal cool is summertime in Florida so they could have picked white, right? Everybody loves that, right? Could have wore white. No. Could have all picked uh, go Gators, right? Wear our Tim Tebow gear and reminisce. No. We get our little clan behavior and unjust networking as we said, do our little red and then come in and 
Hey, why is she wearing stripes and everybody else is wearing red? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the red bandana, too, like I said, like, gotta be tacky. Gotta get my Tupac on about all this. Imitate the black people. Like, really? At the courthouse, no less. A red bandana? Really? Gotcha. Uh, and then the crack baby on top of it all. Uh, at, hey, you could at least fast forward, right? It's 2022. Why not the dog food baby? We are in the opioid epidemic, right? Let's catch it up. This is not the 90s. No longer Miami Vice and all of that. Days gone to decades gone by, right? Old timey. Let's catch it up current. We don't want any, you know, opioid baby, any fentanyl babies, right? That's current. No. Crack ban. I'm. We talked about that very first year of the cows, 2009. Dorothy Roberts, like all of that, is white supremacy. Because I mean, everybody knows who you're talking about. Crack me. Like I said, you could have picked one more current. You got some people might not. Well, I guess crack baby is pretty like, yeah, you have to be real confused to not know what that is. Uh, but they know who you're talking about. You're not talking about these little white children. You're talking about Leroy. Gus T. That's who you're talking. You're not behaving like these little niggers, are you? And say that out in public, like what in the world? And then she said, "I guess the husband felt some terrible." Like, dear, why are you saying that out in public? Gee whiz! <laughs> She's like, you know, just say it with us We're in the courthouse. They can hear it too. Good lord! Calling him a crackbait. My God, have another little Dylan Roof grow up with that sort of commentary. My goodness, didn't say. Prescription pills could have taken that one too. That's a lot of white people doing that right in Florida, no less. Does not get any better than Tacnad. That's how that family behaves in public. My God, I cannot imagine what that looks like, you know. If that's supposed to be the behind closed door conversation, calling the child a crack baby, wow. Hope she's not a school teacher down in DeSantis land. Uh, with that, uh, I think we nabbed nabbed everybody. Didn't get confused on the switchboard. Uh, we did our three and we'll be here tomorrow and Sunday. Cannot wait. Go Buffalo for Sunday. Cannot white people back on the program. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Anyway, much obliged for everyone's uh, participation. Hopefully it was worthy of your Friday evening uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific man this weekend like any other time like man Gus is a coon you can be by yourself and prudish lame all that I'm gonna have a good time going out and party fine for this weekend sobriety would be best you're going to go out and do all that stuff you're having a party as I said cookout whatever it is fine if you got to consume something get to one spot and stay there like for the night stay there I would expect sobriety checkpoints all of that like probably until next weekend especially if you live someplace 
with a high concentration of black people people outside the states bravo for you you don't have to deal with all this for the next week or so folks in the states I would behave if you're traveling be safe plan in advance for chaos if you're out and about at the airport or wherever somebody is being hostile and loud hey exit as much space as you can you are not ready to fight and kill unless you are ready to kill die all of that right now exit get away from that person call enforcement officers as you are trying to get distance and exit the situation Uh, if you're in a vehicle you are sober buckled up not on a mobile device we need all of our attention and doing the small things to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no name calling no gossiping no reckless production of offspring cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. You're a victim <sighs> I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.